What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. Today, we are officially taking a turn into football season with a full NFL preview, including division races, award winners, Super Bowl picks, and a couple of NFL-related Monday mailbag questions. Also going to talk about the latest in the NBA playoffs and Major League Baseball. Episode 12 coming at you right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. I'm Landon Pangburn, along with my brother and co-host, Preston Pangburn. We've been on kind of a funky schedule recently, but we're both excited to be back, especially because we're taking a deep dive into the NFL today, and we're just pumped for football season. And before we dive into that, I just want to say that if you've enjoyed our podcast, or if this is your first time listening and you enjoyed this one, please follow and subscribe to us on Apple and Spotify, and any ratings or reviews that you could leave us would also be super helpful, just so we can get this podcast out to more people. But with that being said, P, how you doing? I'm good. I, I can't believe it's already time to talk football again. We've got Chiefs and Texans on Thursday night, uh, full slate of games a week from today on Sunday. So, I mean, the, the last seven months have just absolutely flown by. I can't believe we're already here. It's time. <laughs> it's, this has been the longest year in history. I, I, I couldn't tell for a second whether you were being sarcastic or not. But. It, it feels like yesterday we were watching the Chiefs and Niners in the Super Bowl, oh doesn't it? Oh my gosh, that feels like a decade ago. It's unbelievable. Yes, but in all seriousness, it, it's been a very long year. Hopefully, you know, football being back, having, you know, a full slate of NFL games, college football coming back fully in a few weeks can help take our minds off some of the sadder things in the world and be a part of all of our healing processes. So, Lando, with that being said, you ready to talk some NFL football? I'm ready. We've got a lot to talk about today, so I hope that y'all are ready because we're ready to do it. So let's get after it. Yeah, so before we jump in um, to you know division by division races, we want to recap a playoff format change that the NFL is implementing this year. I feel like that kind of got swept under the rug with all that's going on, but just to remind everybody, the NFL has historically done a 12-team playoff format where six teams from each conference will make the playoffs. Uh, two, the two top teams from each conference will get a bye. They're changing that up this year. Uh, the top 14 teams will make it, so seven from each conference. Only the one seeds will get buys, so that's just means extra football for us there will be an extra game on each wild card weekend be excited for that yeah that's going to be interesting that makes the end of the regular season even more important just because everyone even at the top is going to be desperately fighting for those one seeds being the only team to have a bye in your entire conference is a really big advantage you get rested you get healthy and you don't have to win an additional game so that's going to be a big change it's a huge deal. I mean, you look at this past season, and I think going into week 17 and the NFC, the Saints, 49ers, and Packers were all kind of fighting for those first round buys. So now, you know, in a similar scenario where there's only one of those spots up for, up for grabs as opposed to two, I mean, that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge difference. All right, you want to, ready to dive into some division races? Let's do it. And we're going to start off with, uh, for anyone who doesn't know us, I mean, we're not Falcons fans, but we are Atlanta-based. So we want to start with the hometown division. Uh, let's go with the NFC South. Lando, what do you think? 
think about the New Orleans Saints this year? Yes, I think we're just going to take it team by team, starting with the team with the best record in each division last year and working down to the team with the worst. So starting with the Saints, Saints went 13-3 and last year and uh, had a disappointing first-round exit from the playoffs. I mean, they were a loaded team, so really they were just trying to bring back as much of their roster as they could. Drew Brees was free agent, so they gave him a two-year extension. I think it was $50 million. And one of their biggest additions was adding Emmanuel Sanders opposite of Michael Thomas, who is just a catching machine. But they really needed needed a second weapon opposite of him. They also have the second most electrifying white guy in the NFL, Taysom Hill, who uh, is debatable. Debatable. I, I want to hear that. What's, what's the debate there? I, I, I need to think about it a little bit, but I'm not on the uh, the Taysom Hill bandwagon as much as, much as other people. Okay, are. I'm a big Taysom Hill guy. I mean, anybody who can like whatever cover a kick immediately after throwing a touchdown is the sickest person in America to me. That's fair. I, I just the reason I'm anti Taysom, not necessarily anti, but I've heard this these, these people on Saints Twitter talking about how he is the you know heir apparent to Drew Brees as their franchise quarterback, and I just refuse to believe that. I just can't see that happening, despite them giving him you know a pretty big deal. But yeah, I, I actually got into an argument on Twitter with <laughs> Saints writer about this. I was like, <laughs> there's no chance that he is their next starting quarterback. But anyway, the Saints are a team that I have loved the past few years. I think they have been my Super Bowl champion prediction the last three seasons so I'm gonna see if I can finally quit them this year mm-hmm. <laughs> and each of the last three years they've been really good but if you think back they have had some absolutely devastating playoff exits yes 2018 I think was the Minneapolis miracle where they were winning going into the final play who was the safety Marcus Williams maybe that maybe, just made a yeah. terrible play on the ball for Stefan Diggs to catch it and go untouched into the end zone for that walk-off win uh, 2019 they should have gone to the Super Bowl lost to the Rams on that non-pass interference call that resulted in a rule change. I mean, that yeah, was that's brutal, an absolutely terrible call. And then last year, they ended up playing the Vikings in the wild card round. They were favored by, I think, 10 points playing at home in front of that rowdy crowd in the dome and somehow ended up losing in overtime. That was a real shocker. So had some really, really tough losses the past few years to go home. So Drew Brees kind of going into the twilight of his career. Can he get back over the hump and get a second ring? Yeah, I mean, Despite the fact they've had some brutal losses, they do have the type of leadership that they keep, can keep on coming back. I mean, Drew Brees is considered one of the best leaders in the game. Another big offseason addition that they had is that after letting Von Bell go, they signed Malcolm Jenkins away from the Philadelphia Eagles, who is known as one of the best leaders defensively in the league. Add him on top of oh, Marshawn Lattimore, who's one of the best corners in the league, and Cameron Jordan, who is just a beast coming off the edge. I mean, you have to just look at the Saints roster and realize they're loaded. And even though they've had some rough losses, they're going to come back hot. I think so. And it's funny you mentioned Malcolm Jenkins because he and Drew Brees got into a little spat during the offseason. Drew Brees made some untimely comments about, you know, whether or not you should stand for the national anthem. Uh, Malcolm Jenkins did not take kindly to that, given the timing of it. But he has since made up with his teammates. I think that that's a pretty strong locker room and they'll be ready to go. So, um, yeah, we'll see if Drew Brees can can get back over the hump. And then speaking of other old quarterbacks trying to get another ring, you want to move on to the Bucs? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the division of old quarterbacks, right? I mean, even Matt Ryan's not exactly young, but yeah, let's move on to the Bucks now. Out of all teams in the NFL, the Bucks might have had kind of the biggest makeover this offseason. They added the GOAT, that might be debatable, but the GOAT and Tom Brady. They also traded for Gronk to go along with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin at wide receiver. They're also four deep at running back now that they've added Leonard Fournette. They've got Ronald Jones, Shady McCoy, and Keyshawn Vaughn behind him. And being SEC guys, being dogs fans, we've gotten to see Keyshawn Vaughn the last couple of years, and that guy can play. So they're a really good team, especially on offense. I like what they've got. 
Yeah, they're very deep. You mentioned they just added Leonard Fournette, something to kind of keep an eye on because he's just an absolute pounder. He can put it in the red zone. I saw something that mentioned him. I guess PFF grades him as one of the worst pass protectors in the league. Interesting. So I I really kind of look forward to seeing what they do on third down, whether it's him, whether it's Ronald Jones or somebody else in there for pass protection, because that becomes a big deal when you're protecting Tom Brady instead of Gardner Minshew, right? I mean, (laughs) especially with a no-nonsense coach like Bruce Arians, you know, you go in there, you miss your assignment and get Tom Brady hit hard, you're done. Yeah, Tom Brady's going to eat you alive himself. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they had some questions up front going into this offseason, so they used their first-round pick on Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, who's expected to start at right tackle right away. I mean, defensively, they've also got some talent, too. They bring back Shaq Barrett, who led the NFL last year with 19 and a half sacks. They brought in Jason Pierre-Paul, which raises a question. Does Jason Pierre-Paul have enough fingers remaining to wear all of Tom Brady's Super Bowl rings? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm trying to think of the actual answer to that. I'm pretty sure he's got... It's debatable. He's got like six and a half fingers? I think so. Six and three quarters? If they win another one... He's off the team. Ooh, yeah. Okay, He's that's out. tough. Yeah. Wow, that that's savage. But <laughs> yeah, they're, they're front seven. You mentioned Shaq Barrett and JPP. They also have Ndamukong Su, who still you know got some left in the tank. That linebacker, they've got one of the best linebacker duos in the yes. league with Devin White and Levante David. I mean, did you know the Bucks were like historically good against the run last year? Uh, no, I did not. Which they were, is, it's amazing. Yeah, they were incredible against the run last year. Uh, still gave up a lot through the air, so they need to improve in that facet of the game. But they're a really interesting defense to watch. They added Todd Bowles, former head coach of the Broncos last year, as their D coordinator. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, they were definitely susceptible to the pass last year, but they added in the draft in the second round one of my favorite players in college football last year. And I don't know why, but I remember texting you and dad about this guy. It was like a Saturday one time last fall and there were no good noon games on. So I was watching Minnesota versus whoever and saw Antoine Winfield play and obviously recognized his name because of his dad. And so I started paying attention to him. I was like, this guy is a stud. He's, he's an undersized safety. I mean, I think he's below six feet. He's like barely over 200 pounds, but the dude just knows how to play football. And I love watching him play. Hopefully he'll be a big addition to their secondary and and kind of put them over the top defensively. Yep. So kind of wrap it up on the Bucks real quick. They've just got so much personality now with Brady, Gronk, and Dominic Sue, JPP, Coach Bruce Arians. I mean, they're going to be a ton of fun. So we'll we'll see what they do this year. But uh, you ready to move on to the hometown Falcons? Let's do it. Yeah, so the Falcons are coming off of a disappointing 7-9 and nine season. They've gone 7-9 and nine the past two years. Dan Quinn kind of enters the season on the hot seat. They should benefit from getting starting safety Keanu Neal, kind of the enforcer of that secondary back. They also will be healthier on the offensive line this season than they were last year. Lando, any thoughts on the Falcons? Yeah, I mean, the Falcons really needed to use this offseason to upgrade their defense, and they made a couple of additions. They added Dante Fowler to come off the edge to give them a little bit of pass rushing help. They were tied for second to last in the NFL last year with only 28 sacks as a team. They also bolstered their secondary by drafting A.J. Terrell out of Clemson in the first round and Marlon Davidson to put next to Grady Jarrett up front in the second round. So they did make some upgrades, but this is just a really tough division. It's going to be hard for them to kind of take this next step forward. Right. And you mentioned the additions on defense, and then we have to talk about the addition on offense. Yes. Big Big Todd Gurley. Gurley. Let's go. Go dogs, baby. We'll see if he can kind of revive his career a little bit. Not that he ever, you know, took a huge dip or anything, but there have just been a ton of concerns about his knee. I know he was struggling with some kind of arthritis in there. If he comes out healthy and looks 100%, he could have a monster year. I think offensive coordinator Dirk Cutter said he's planning on giving Todd Gurley at least 15 touches a game. So what do you think about Todd? Well, unfortunately, with what I do for a career, I am extremely pessimistic about Todd Gurley. I just 
I just don't think he's got enough. I mean, when your knee starts to do that, you're in big trouble. That's not something that's like reversible and you just heal from it and move on. It's a chronic long-term forever thing to some extent. So, I mean, I hope he does really well. I love Todd Gurley as much as anybody, as much as any dogs fan, but I just don't think he's going to be the guy he used to be. That's fair. I'm taking the opposite angle here. And I know that you have the kind of physical therapy expertise, but I, I can't say I'm optimistic about his knee in the long run, but it's kind of a, I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as okay. good once as I ever was okay. type thing. I gotcha. And I think, you know, coming off last year where he had a little bit of a down season coming home to the Atlanta Falcons, they have him on a one year deal. So he's trying to prove himself. The OC is committed to him. So I think he's going to have a big year. I, I like him in real life and in fantasy for all you fantasy footballers out there. There we go. Yeah, was that a, was that Toby Keith who made that song? It was. Okay, sweet. One of the great Americans. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Glad you know the jam. But there we um, go. to wrap it up on the Falcons, Vegas has their over-under win total at seven and a half this year. I'm personally taking the over, but what do you think? Yeah, that's going to be really close. I mean, are we going to go ahead and make our picks for the division? I mean, I'm going with the Bucks actually in an upset to win the division. Wow, okay. I know, and I'm going with the Saints as a wild card. I think the Falcons... The Falcons could go over. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Falcons were eight and eight and went on and made the over, but still didn't get one of the wild cards. Okay. I see what you're saying. I mean, I actually have the Falcons making NFL history this year. What's that? The first ever seven seed in the NFC. Oh, let's go. All right. I like it. <laughs> I've got the Falcons nine and seven getting the seven seed in the NFC. And I think it's funny that we moved on to our picks for the division before even mentioning the Panthers. <laughs> Pretty savage, but we know that they are going through a complete rebuild. Uh, they had their quarterback Cam Newton leave after 10 years, replaced him with Teddy Bridgewater, new head coach Matt Rule in there going through a complete rebuild. Any thoughts on the Panthers? Well, I'm kind of happy that we moved on to the division picks before going with the Panthers, because if y'all were tuning in last week, week we had our first ever troll of the podcast who happens to be a huge Panthers fan so I figured we might as well just kind of throw him under the bus here and uh, and not not really talk about the Panthers in the conversation of winning winning the division but yeah they had a total rebuild like you said with starting with the coaching staff one thing that's important is along with coach Matt Rule they also brought along Joe Brady who was one of the engineers of that amazing LSU offense last year they lost their two most prominent players, one on offense, one on defense, and Cam Newton, like you said. And then Luke Keekley also retired, who was one of the best linebackers in the NFL over the last seven or eight years. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm just going to be weird seeing a different quarterback behind center for the Panthers for the first time in almost a decade. I mean, I love Teddy Bridgewater, and I'm going to be rooting for him, especially after he went down with that injury and missed almost two full years. He's an easy guy to root for anyways, but definitely rooting for him after that but just don't think they're going to have enough talent to compete with the other three teams in this division. Yeah, probably not. And like we said, it's just a complete changing of the guard in Carolina. I mean, you look at the Super Bowl team that you know went to the Super Bowl against the Broncos a few years ago, and Cam Newton's gone, Luke Keekley's gone, Ron Rivera's gone. I mean, it's just... It's a rebuild. The one thing that's constant there is that Christian McCaffrey will keep winning you your fantasy league if you have him. Uh, but this is a rebuild. I, I've got them going four and twelve this year. Yeah, I mean Christian McCaffrey is an absolute monster. I thought it was interesting that they went all defense with all seven draft picks this year. Um, those included Derek Brown, defensive tackle out of Auburn in the first round, and Yatura Gross Matos, a defensive end out of Penn State in the second round. I mean, they're just kind of building it from the ground up. A lot of what they needed to do this offseason was just clear some cap space, get some young players, and just start building for the future. They're not a team who's anticipating contending this year. They're just trying to take a step forward. And I do like what they did in the draft and in free agency in getting rid of that cap space. So I think they're headed in the right direction, but just not yet. 
I got you. Yeah, I mean, I am a big believer in the fact that you do not start a rebuild with a quarterback. Like, look at the Jets. I mean, they got their guy in Sam Darnold, but when you surround him with no talent, that's just kind of what happens. Yeah. So, sure, I kind of like the pan- uh, the direction that the Panthers are headed with just loading up on defense. Yep. All right, well, that'll do it for the NFC South. You want to move on to the NFC East? Let's do it. I guess we got to start off with the defending NFC East champion Philadelphia Eagles. What you got there? Yeah, so before we get into that, I just want to say this is a division that has not had a repeat winner since 2003-2004 when the Eagles did it. That's wild. Yeah, a lot of parity here. So the Eagles won the division last year. Uh, they only went 9-7. and seven. I mean, the Cowboys were 8-8. Eight and eight. It was just kind of an up-and-down season. A lot of uh, injuries for the Eagles. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think about their outlook this year? Well, their offseason was interesting. They just had this um, sudden obsession with Jalen's. Was was kind of strange. I mean, they went, they went Jalen Rager in the first round. They went Jalen Hurts in the second round. And then they re-signed Jalen Mills to replace Malcolm Jenkins at safety. I mean, they got kind of a one-track mind going on. Yeah, <laughs> Jalen City. It's Jalen City, yeah. Yeah, they definitely turned some heads when they took Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of Oklahoma in the second round. Turned some heads again this offseason when Deshaun Jackson kind of came out as a Holocaust denier. That was weird. Goodness. <laughs> Not good. Yeah, but anyway, we don't want to spend too much time on that. Uh, he might be hanging out with Julian Edelman um, at some point to kind of get educated. But anyway, the Eagles, they were banged up at the end of last season. Everyone was kind of referring to their skill position players as practice squad because mm-hmm. they ended up with like Greg Ward off of the practice squad literally as their number one receiver towards the end of the year they're they're just banged up again man like I was kind of on the fence between Eagles Cowboys kind of a coin flip for this division with the Giants and Redskins down a little bit was leaning towards the Eagles but then Brandon Brooks pro bowl guard goes down uh, with an Achilles injury he's out for the year starting left tackle Andre Dillard tears his biceps he's out for the year first round pick Jalen Rager he got hurt he's out for the first three or four weeks of the season and then of course you've got Carson Wentz who you know every time he drops back you to hold your breath so I just I I don't know if I can you know take the Eagles this year yeah you're exactly where I'm at is that they've got those two huge question marks at offensive line and receiver and the injuries are not helping at all did you hear about the offensive line drama they've got going on I don't think so. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of them. So they had Pro Bowl right guard Brandon Brooks go down with a torn Achilles. And so they brought back Jason Peters to fill his right guard spot. And then left tackle Andre Dillard got hurt. And so they wanted to move Jason Peters from right guard to left tackle, but he's refusing to do so until he gets a pay raise. I did see that. Which is awesome. I mean, it's kind of funny, like thinking about these athletes as kind of people with normal jobs. Exactly. It's like, yeah, don't don't ask me to go from analyst to manager without giving me a raise. Yeah, I'm not taking additional responsibility with no additional pay. I mean, I'm not doing that in my job, so why would he? I mean, I get it. It's, it's kind of funny because you just don't think about them in that context, but right guard to left tackle is a huge increase in yes. responsibility. Yes. <laughs> so it's, we'll see if he gets his raise. Especially in this division where you've got a couple of really, really good pass rushers. Yeah, for real. And then um, on the other side of the ball, the Eagles added cornerback Darius Slay in a trade with the Detroit Lions. That was kind of their big offseason addition. I mean, he is historically over the past few years been one of the better lockdown corners in the league. He does a really good job against Amari Cooper historically. Apparently he's looked pretty tough in camp. Have Mm -hmm. you heard anything about that? I've not. He's just been getting torched by everybody, including Jalen Rager. That's weird. Yeah. So we'll see if he can kind of get it together to start the season, but I don't, I don't know. I might be fading the Eagles this year. Well, I mean, we, we kind of like fading the Eagles, so it's means partially head, partially heart, but 
we'll see what happens. Right. So let's move on to the Dallas Cowboys, our our squad, um, the only other team that really matters in the division for the context of this year. Uh, what do you think about the Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys should be electric on offense. I mean, they're bringing back everybody plus adding CeeDee Lamb, which should be a huge addition. I mean, they've got Dak coming up on a contract year after he got franchise franchise tagged to this offseason, so he's got a lot to prove. They got Zeke, they've got Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and like I said, CeeDee Lamb in there. They're going to be attempting to be a uh, three 1,000-yard receiver team, which brings me to a little bit of a trivia, trivia question. Oh, that, boy. I know. This is a hard one, so I'm not really going to make you like think about it for a while and try to guess it, but there have been five wide receiver trios in NFL history to all have 1,000 yards in the same season. Do any of them come to mind right off the top of your head? Just curious. Oh, wow. Um, well, you got to start with a good duo. So what about like Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt? Did they have a third? They did not. Oh, man. There's only two that were really like in our lifetime where we've been old enough to remember them. They were both in the in the 2000s decade, 2004 and 2008. I'm trying to think because for this to happen three 1,000 yard receivers in a season, it would require a pretty extraordinary quarterback season in terms of passing yards. So like maybe 2007, Tom Brady, like Randy Moss, Wes Welker and somebody else. No, but close. I like the guess. I like the thought process behind that. Did Mahomes do it? He did not. It was 2004 and 2008. So it's been a while. Okay. Well, this sucks. Okay. (laughs) So see the only two that happened that we would remember are 2004 for the Colts was Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, and Brandon Stokely. Wow. Yeah. And then 2008 was Larry Fitz, Anquan Bolden, and Steve Breston. Steve Breston. What a name. thousand yards for Steve Breston. Well, I am ashamed that I did not think of Steve Breston and Brandon (laughs) Brandon Stokely Stokely off the top of my head. (laughs) I need to go back and study up. The other three were way before our time and I'm not even going to read the names. But yeah, um, Cowboys should be awesome on offense. They had a couple of losses on defense led by Byron Jones, their their number one corner. So that hurts a lot. But overall, I think they've got a really good team this year. Yeah, they lost Byron Jones. He got signed by the Miami Dolphins to like a five-year, $90 million deal. I guess they didn't want to pay that with the impending contract of Dak Prescott, but that's a conversation for another day. They replaced Byron Jones in the second round of the draft with cornerback Trayvon Diggs out of Alabama. He's had a really good camp. They're really excited about him. So yeah, this should be a high scoring offense, probably not a great defense. So kind of ranks up there with more or the more fun teams to watch this year. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they've got a couple of good defensive players. Demarcus Lawrence is still a really good pass rusher, but they don't really have anybody opposite him to rush the passer. So he's going to get a whole bunch of double teams and probably not be able to get a whole lot of production in there. I love the linebacker duo of Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch when he's healthy. They're really, really good. But the rest of the defense is just kind of average. I think, like you said, this should be a high scoring team that scores a lot of points and, and might give up a lot of points. Yeah. And you mentioned the pass rush. I mean, they had Robert Quinn who they had signed from, or they traded for him from the bears two years ago. Uh, He had a really good year last year. Uh, He left in free agency. They replaced him with Everson Griffin. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you saw that from the Vikings, but yeah, people actually think that's a bit of an upgrade. So decent pass rush there. They also added Alden Smith who hasn't played in the NFL in four years. So between him and Randy Gregory getting reinstated, as long as you don't let those two guys room together, I mean, they could wreak some havoc. Yes, they need to stay along. They should not even have each other's phone numbers. Right. These guys need to stay far apart and stay out of trouble. But yeah, I mean, they've got some talent there. Everson Griffin is kind of getting older a little bit. I mean, we'll see what their pass rush does. But uh, like we said, this should be this should be a good team. Yep. And then last bit of news on the Cowboys, a surprise cut. Uh, after signing him earlier in the offseason, they cut safety Haha Clinton Dix, who is Monica Lewinsky's favorite NFL player. Um <laughs> 
But other than that, <laughs> I've never heard that. Did you, did you come up with that? No, I I, I think this has been around that for a couple is years. Absolutely but it, savage. I've never heard that, but that is hilarious. Yeah, it's the only NFL jersey she owns. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> anyway, that's it for the Cowboys. Let's move on to the New York Giants. Danny Dimes with Jason Garrett as their offensive coordinator. What do you think about the Giants? Yeah, I mean the biggest addition for the Giants this offseason was the retirement of Eli Manning, who uh, just decided to hang it up about five years too late. Um, I mean, Daniel Jones had a solid rookie year last year. They had a lot of question marks this offseason, including trying to build up their offensive line. So they drafted our boy, another Georgia Bulldog, Andrew Thomas, at the top of the first round. I mean, their issues last year were mostly defensively. They were pretty terrible on defense, and they didn't really have pass rush. Maybe one of Saquon Barkley's quads can line up a defensive tackle and stop the run. <laughs> yeah, that would be absolutely huge for them. He, he could be pretty solid over there. But yeah, the Andrew Thomas draft pick was huge, fourth overall at offensive tackle, because their left tackle, Nate Solder, opted out of the season. I mean, that hurts them big time. So good for them to uh, backfill him with Andrew Thomas. And then speaking of Georgia Bulldogs on oh, the New York yeah. Giants. I know where this is going. Uh, Oh, man, the the tragedy of the offseason, their cornerback, DeAndre Baker, was arrested for armed robbery and aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. He did it apparently after he had been hanging out at like a poker party for Mm -hmm. two hours. When's the last time you like spent hours with people and then were like, it seems like a good idea to rob them at gunpoint? Yeah, I mean, I guess I haven't lost as much money as he supposedly did that night to those guys. But yeah, that's that's a weird look. I mean, that's kind of strange. Just they all knew who he was. Exactly. He had been there for hours. They were his friends. It's not like he was wearing a mask. I, I just I really need to know his thought process there. Yeah. This is all allegedly, by the way. Yeah, this hasn't been proven. I mean, innocent until proven guilty in this country, but it's not good looking good for him uh, in the future. Come on. DeAndre Baker. We need you, man. (laughs) Yeah, for real. But anyway, the Giants, I mean, I expect them to take maybe a little bit of a step forward this year. Um, I know Matthew Barry, ESPN fantasy analyst, loves Danny Dimes as kind of his breakout pick at quarterback. Um, He could have a good season, but yeah, I just, I don't expect them to compete with the Cowboys and Eagles in this division. Yeah. I mean, part of that Daniel Jones statistical output could be a result of their defense being absolutely terrible and them throwing the whole game. I mean, last year they finished with the 25th best defense in the NFL. And given what's happened this offseason, I kind of expect them to be worse than that this year. I mean, they might be the worst defense in football. And so Daniel Jones is going to be throwing the ball all game. All right. Interesting. Well, maybe they will compete with the Washington football team for the worst team in this division. So let's move on to them. The team formerly known as the Redskins, now the Washington football team. What you got? Yeah, I mean, I love their pick. How can you not love Chase Young? The second predator. overall. Yeah, that guy is terrifying. monster. And plus, they've already got Ryan Kerrigan, who's not really talked about a lot because they suck. But Ryan Kerrigan has been a really good player for a long time. So that's a pretty solid duo right there. One of their biggest things is just offensive personnel. They just don't really have anybody. They traded Trent Williams away at left tackle. And right now, they have Garen Christian Sr. slated to start at left tackle. That's, I mean, that's not good, especially when you got a young quarterback back there who needs to be protected. Adrian Peterson is now gone. I mean, their their wide receiving core is Terry McLaurin, Steven Sims, and Dontrell Inman. I mean, they got Antonio Gandy Golden. That's, I mean, that is not a an eye popping lineup there. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, people, including me, actually love Terry, the Hawaiian organ donor McLaurin. He was a little <laughs> bit of a breakout player last year, and people expect him to take another step forward this year. They're they're building a little bit of an Ohio State contingency out there with Chase Young, Terry McLaurin, and then quarterback Dwayne Haskins. Um, I don't know if you saw, but Dwayne Haskins was officially named the starter by Coach Ron Rivera this past week and was kind of 
I guess celebrating it um, on Twitter and Instagram. And I kind of thought it was funny. It's like, Dwayne, you were picked in the first round and you're patting yourself on the back for not losing the starting quarterback job in your second year to a guy with a shattered leg. Yeah, that's that's not really a, uh, a great thing to be celebrating. I mean, the guy had 17 surgeries since the last time we played football. If you can't beat that guy out, you have bigger problems. Right. It's good to see Alex Smith back out there on the field, but Dwayne Haskins was kind of always the guy there. But what's going to be intriguing to me about this team is how long of a leash does Dwayne Haskins really have there? Not in terms of this year, but next year. I mean, if they go call it four and 12, five and 11, end up with a top five pick and a chance to get Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields, they're doing it, right? Oh, I mean, they've got to. This is a big, big season for him to show what he's got. I mean, like you said, though, Terry McLaurin is definitely my favorite guy on this team. It was between McLaurin and Muhammad, and I decided to go with McLaurin. (laughs) You're right. Read a book. Yeah, read a book. So that's all we need to say about the Washington football team. I don't think anybody, including us, is picking them to win the division. But Lando, who is your pick for the NFC East this year? Well, I feel bad about it because I don't like being a homer, but I'm going with the Dallas Cowboys for reasons we already talked about. I was really going to be debating between the Cowboys and Eagles before the recent developments with the Eagles as far as injuries to their wide receiving core and their offensive line. I just think that with those injuries, the Cowboys are the more complete team. So I'm going with the Cowboys. What you got? I'm with you. And like I said earlier, I was kind of leaning towards the Eagles on this one, kind of like a 51-49 type thing. But with all the injuries they've had, I just think that they're going to struggle this season. I've got them going 8-8. Eight and eight. The Cowboys are also dealing with some injuries too. I don't know if you saw, but I think it broke maybe earlier today that Lyle Collins is going to miss the first three yeah, weeks of the season. He's an IR. That doesn't help. And Sean Lee's an IR as well. Yeah, that, that's tough, especially because the Cowboys, I think, have a pretty tough slate at the beginning of the season with the Rams and I think the Bears and the Seahawks. So we'll see how they do. But I'm going with the Cowboys to slightly edge out the Eagles in this division. I've got them going 10 and 6. All right. Well, let's move on with that being said to the NFC North, starting with the defending division champion Green Bay Packers. What you got on the Packers? So the Packers are a team that I like. I mean, they had a quiet free agency period, but a very interesting draft. People kind of expected them to really go for it in the draft this year because they're coming off an NFC championship appearance, you know, getting towards the end of Aaron Rodgers' career, go after another Super Bowl. But they drafted uh, his successor, Jordan Love, in round one. And then in round two, turned around and picked a backup running back, A.J. Dillon out of B.C. I mean, what do you think about their draft? They had a very strange draft. I mean, given their current situation, which is a really good team coming off a 13 and three year with an aging star quarterback and a clear need, it's not like they didn't have any other needs that they they had to address. And so they decided to go with backups and get some depth. They have clear needs, especially some weapons on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, they've got Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, but they need guys behind them and aside, like aside from them to make plays with the ball. And so getting two backups with their first two round picks was just really, really weird. I'm not sure I like that a whole lot. Right. And obviously, Jordan Love is a backup quarterback. It sounds like they've got some big plans for A.J. Dillon. I mean, I think he's going to split time with Aaron Jones at running back and maybe get some goal line carries. So maybe not a complete backup who's not going to add any value, but we'll see what happens there. I mean, their head coach, Matt LaFleur, is coming into his second season there, and he came from the Titans. So 
people think that he's, you know, not very secretly trying to kind of recreate the Derrick Henry smash mouth, run the ball, play defense type team they had there. So we'll see how they do. I mean, they, they've got a lot on defense. Jair Alexander kind of emerged as a star cornerback. They had the best pass rushing duo in the league last year with the Smiths coming off the edge. Uh, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith combined for 25 and a half sacks last year. Those guys are dangerous under defensive coordinator Mike Pettin, who might be a head coaching candidate here again pretty soon, maybe after this season. So they've got some weapons. Yeah, they, they're, I mean, they're really good. You mentioned Zadarius Smith. He only had 13 and a half sacks last year. I say only because that was like sixth best in the league. But aside from that, he actually led the league in quarterback pressure. So he's a really good player. Offseason wise, I saw a lot of David Bakhtiari, who is not only one of the best left tackles in the game, he also is the NBA courtside beer chugging champion of the world. Yes, he is. Remember that guy at Bucks games when there used to be fans at sporting events? He used to just destroy people in beer chugging competitions every time he went on the big screen. And I love that guy. Yes, in the fan era of sports, he he's the champion of beer chugging. Yes, he, he would destroy beers on the sideline. All right, is that it for the Packers? That's all we got for now. Obviously, we'll circle back to them when we make our picks to win the division. But now let's talk about who finished second in the uh, NFC North race last year and upset the Saints in the first round of the playoffs, the Minnesota Vikings. What you got? Yeah, well, I mean, they were in the news recently because Kirk Cousins went full Ivan Drago on us and just said, if he dies, he dies. Yes. The most intimidating. I mean, Kirk Cousins is the furthest from an intimidating figure that I can imagine, but that's kind of intimidating. Like when a guy is willing to die to win football games, you got to respect it. Right. And I didn't see the full interview. I mean, I heard that if you heard it, you should watch the full interview because, you know, we're kind of in the peak era of take things out of context and freak out about them. But anyway, I mean, they're coming off a 10 win season. Like we said, they upset the Saints in the wild card round. They're actually a surprising, at least to me, favorite to win the division this year in Vegas. They're plus 160. I was kind of shocked by that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, mainly because they just had like a ton of turnover this offseason. I mean, they traded stuff on Diggs, and then on defense, they lost Everson Griffin, Linval Joseph, Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes. I mean, they're going to have, I think, like six new starters on defense this year. That's, I mean, it's kind of crazy. And they did just trade for defensive end Yannick Ngakwe from the Jags, so that'll certainly help them uh, replacing Everson Griffin and adding some pass rush. But yeah, like you said, a lot of turnover. Yeah, I mean, they tried to replace some of those guys, like meaning Stefan Diggs and those defensive guys in the draft. They took uh, Justin Jefferson out of LSU in the first round and Jeff Gladney, a uh, cornerback from TCU, to, to replace Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes. And then, like you said, adding Yannick Ngakwe and putting him opposite of Daniel Hunter. I mean, that's a really scary pass rushing duo right there. Yes, it is. And going into the season, I personally am not as concerned about their defense as I am about their offense. I mean, you mentioned losing Stefan Diggs and replacing him with Justin Jefferson out of LSU. I mean, I, I think that's a slight downgrade, but they'll be okay there. But what I'm concerned about with their offense is Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the two guys that are their offense. They are very heavily reliant on those two dudes, and they just have injury history. I mean, Dalvin Cook gets hurt almost every year. He was finally a bell cow for them last year, had 250 carries for over 1,100 yards. He kind of finally broke out as a stud, but Adam Thielen missed a ton of time. I mean, I just think that there's almost no chance that both of those guys play 16 games. Yeah, I mean... In the NFL, to some extent, I mean, in football in general, you're kind of rolling the dice with injuries every year. They're also the the two kind of guys that if they do manage to stay healthy for an entire 16 games, I mean, they could be awesome. Like this team could be so good if they if they did. But I'm with you. It's hard to bank on that happening. 
Exactly. So again, we will circle back to them when we make our picks to win the division. But let's talk about the Detroit Lions, a team that will get Matthew Stafford back at the beginning of the season. He was playing at an MVP level before he went down with an injury last season. Uh, What you got on the Lions, Lando? Yeah, I like the Lions this year. So like you said, Matthew Stafford was off to a good start before going down with injury. They've got DeAndre Swift and Kerryon Johnson in the backfield. And didn't they just add Adrian Peterson? They did, which is funny because I'm trying to sprinkle a little bit of fantasy football advice, you know, here and there throughout this. And uh, my advice on the Lions is don't touch their backfield with a 10 foot pole. Yeah. I mean, that's who knows who's going to get the carries in the touches in that backfield that's tough I mean it was already iffy for a franchise who does not emphasize the run game they are going to split carries between DeAndre Swift who's dealing with an injury and Kerryon Johnson who you know has a history of injuries and then in comes Adrian Peterson so it's a backfield that's going to split three ways it's going to be a disaster fantasy wise but anyway yeah they have a, they've got Kenny, Kenny Galladay at wideout who's coming off a 1200 yard 11 touchdown season I really like TJ Hawkinson at tight end too and then they've got Taylor Decker, who's one of the best left tackles in the game. They just signed him to an $85 million contract extension. So I like what the Lions are bringing on the offensive side of the ball, not necessarily for fantasy purposes, but for real life purposes, for sure. I agree with you. I like their offense. And that's kind of what's funny to me about the state of the Detroit Lions franchise right now is because I feel like they have a lot of talent on offense and they kind of keep trying to stockpile offensive talent and kind of, you know, draft you know, DeAndre Swift, that type of guy. But then they also traded Quandre Diggs, their safety, and they traded Darius Slay, their best corner. So it's like they're trying to accumulate talent on offense, but they're tanking on defense. It's like, what are y'all doing? Yeah, well, I mean, they did have a terrible defense last year. They were 24th overall defense and they were 30th in the NFL in sacks. I mean, they did try to address those needs in free agency and in the draft. They've got, just like the Vikings, a bunch of new starters on defense, including guys at every level. They added Danny Shelton up front and Jamie Collins at linebacker, Desmond Trufant at corner. And then I like what they did in the draft. I mean, it's hard not to love Jeff Okuda. I mean, that guy could be a stud right away, kind of in the mold of like Jalen Ramsey and Marshawn Lattimore, who just came in rookie year and were just locked down corners. I mean, that could be a huge upgrade. I don't think they're going to be a great defense, but I definitely think they're going to be better than 24th like they were last year. Right. And it's kind of what we mentioned earlier with the Cowboys, where they're going to have a good offense and a bad defense. The Lions are going to be fun to watch this year because they're going to get into some shootouts. Agreed. All right. Well, we got one more team in this division. We got the eight and eight last year, Chicago Bears, who recently just announced that Mitchell Trubisky has beaten out Nick Foles for the starting quarterback job. I mean, that's kind of a train wreck right there. (laughs) When you've got a battle with Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles, it's just not a very positive outlook. I mean, maybe they bring back Jay Cutler sometime soon. Maybe. We'll see what happens. What you got in the Bears? I mean, the knock on Mitchell Trubisky is that he's not capable of ever winning a championship, but he is the champion of the most depressing quarterback battle of all time. Yes, he sure is. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. Choosing between Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles for your quarterback is just kind of a nightmare. I mean, their, their defense is loaded with talent Khalil Mack Roquan Smith Danny Trevathan they're really good on that side of the ball but their offense is just anemic and they just had their starting running back David Montgomery go down I mean he may be back for week one but I think it's most likely he's going to miss a week or two so I am kind of out on the Bears this year they just can't score enough points no and their offseason was just really weird too I mean they had a clear need for some offensive skill players and the two biggest offensive additions that they had were both at the same position and that was tight end they added Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet so they've got some good tight ends but they don't really have anything else right that became kind of a joke about their tight ends they had like eight yes they I think they had eight tight ends on the roster like at one point in time 
Right, and I, I'm not sure like if that's even reflective of their offensive strategy at all. It's just like big tight end guys, I guess. <laughs> yeah, huge tight end fans in Chicago. Yeah, so the whole Mitchell Trubisky thing, I mean, he went number two overall in the draft. It's very well documented that he was picked above guys like Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. So unfortunately, there's just always going to be that connection there, especially in the minds of Bears fans. So I think that if I have to make a prediction about how their quarterback situation goes this season, they start out with Trubisky. It's a disaster. They switch over to Foles. Maybe at some point ended up switching back to Trubisky. I mean, I just, I think it's going to be a little bit of a disaster. And both parties, Trubisky and the Bears, will benefit from just moving on from each other after this season. Yes, and speaking of that, I want to move on forever from talking about Mitchell Trubisky. So let's uh, wrap that up with the Bears and make <laughs> our picks for this division. Who do you have winning the NFC North? So I kind of went back and forth on this one. I, I mentioned that the Vikings are the favorite. The Packers are number two. Something that the quote-unquote experts always talk about when predicting which teams are going to regress, which teams are going to take a step forward. One of the leading indicators for that is a record in one-score games. Last year, the Packers were 8-1 in one-score games. So people are expecting regression on that end, but they went 13-3 and last year. I mean, they've got room for it. Mm-hmm. So while I think they do take a slight step back i've got the packers winning the division at 11 and 5 all right nice all right my pick dude i'm going off the rails here no I'm, you're not i guess i am i'm pumped about this the lions baby no the lions are winning the nfc north let's go yeah i, I don't know i love the lions i think that there is going to be regression from the packers i think that with all the turnover in minnesota they're going to fall back a little bit and the lions are coming in hot they're healthy they reloaded their offense is is amazing Lions to win the NFC North. That's bold. I, I I feel insecure because I'm not sure that I have anything as bold as that throughout this whole segment. Yeah, that's my one. That's by far my most bold call. I figured I needed to go with one, and the Lions are my all-out. That's my squad this year. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need a monster effort from Stafford, but he was playing really well last season. 19 touchdowns, five picks before he went down. So Stafford, we'll see if he can carry the squad. Go dogs. Let's go. Go dogs. All right. Moving on to the last division in the NFC. We're going to kick it over to the NFC West with the San Francisco 49ers, the defending division champions at 13 and three. What you got on the Niners, P? So it's easy to look at the Super Bowl loser and fade them historically because typically the team who loses in the soup does not do well the following season, have a little bit of a hangover. But the way that the 49ers play football is run the ball and play defense. And those are just things that, you know, travel well, they age well. So I expect them to have a pretty good season. I mean, Kyle Shanahan made it to the Super Bowl in what, his second year, third year as head coach? Mm -hmm. That guy just, I feel like everything he touches kind of turned to gold. They signed George Kittle to a new deal. He's ready to go. They've had a couple wide receivers get injured in camp with uh, Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. He was their second round draft pick. And then also Debo. Samuel, but I think they're expected to be back within the first week or two. So they're going to be ready to go. Yeah. I mean, I really like what they did this offseason, despite how good they were last year. I mean, they had two big losses with DeForest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders leaving, which left some holes at defensive tackle and receiver, but they pretty clearly filled those holes in the draft by taking Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina and Brandon Ayuk to replace those two guys. They also added Trent Williams to start at left tackle, who appears to be healthy and is a seven-time Pro Bowler, so that's a big addition up front. I mean, they've just got a really good team. You've got to love Nick Bosa. I mean, Joey Bosa just got the biggest contract. I think it was the biggest contract for a defensive player as far as guaranteed money in NFL history. But Nick Bosa is a stud. I mentioned earlier how Zadarius Smith led the NFL last year in quarterback pressures. Despite having only nine sacks last year, Nick Bosa was second behind him in quarterback pressures in the NFL. I mean, 
they've got a bunch of monsters on this team. Yeah, I think I saw that Nick Bosa set the rookie record for pressures last year with 80. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he that's had, insane. He had 11 pressures on Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Wow, and he's 22 years old. Guy's a monster. Yeah, I thought it was pretty cool, too, how a couple of the guys on this team, namely Trent Williams, who's new to the team and goes against Nick Bosa in practice, and George Kittle both are praising Bosa for his work ethic and especially talking about him being a complete monster in the weight room. I mean, this guy's just going to be a freak. It's fun to watch. He's going to beat his brother's record for most defensive money on a contract. Oh, definitely. What's he, two years away from that? Yeah, two years away. It's going to be huge. Oh, he absolutely will. So I think we both like the Niners, at least to make the playoffs. We'll get to the division picks in a minute. But yeah, I just, once they get to the playoffs, I'm not sure I'm sold on them. I I mean, I know that they were one play away, one throw away from winning the Super Bowl, but I'm just not a huge Garoppolo guy. You know, if it was a a beauty pageant, then maybe, but I just don't know if, uh, if he can get over the hump. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about in the NBA when you get to the playoffs, how oftentimes you kind of resort to the team with the best player. I think in the NFL, you resort to the team with the best quarterback and they, in a lot of a lot of playoff matchups, they probably don't have the best quarterback. So I understand where you're coming from. Right. So, well, let's move on to their main competition, in my opinion, for the division title this year in the NFC West. Let's go out to Seattle. How you feel about the Seahawks, Lando? Well, I mean, I like the Seahawks. They had a huge offseason move and a blockbuster trade by acquiring Jamal Adams. I mean, they've got a lot of defensive talent. Bobby Wagner led the NFL with 159 tackles last year. And I thought this stat was crazy that Bobby Wagner led the decade of the 2010s in tackles like that guy is a monster he finished just ahead of Luke Keekley and, and Levante David like he's a beast he's very good and we're, we're going to talk about um, award winner predictions later uh, with defensive player of the year included and I noticed Bobby Wagner was number nine on the list of odds I mean he's a really underrated defender um, they've got him at linebacker they've also got linebacker Bruce Irvin coming back mm-hmm. he's a guy that was drafted out to the Seahawks in 2012 spent a few years there was on both teams that made it to the Super Bowl left for a few years and now he's back so he'll be an emotional leader out on that defense well they desperately need him because they were horrible at rushing the passer last year I mean despite how good their defense was was they could knock it after the quarterback they were tied for second to last I think I mentioned the Falcons earlier they were tied with the Falcons with 28 sacks in the season which is not good they didn't really acquire anybody other than Bruce Irvin who I mean he's good but he's not great at this point so I'm not sure how big of an upgrade that is at pass rush I'm assuming they're they're including Jamal Adams in that because Jamal Adams was the leading defensive back in sacks last year with six and a half so I mean he's a really good blitzer hopefully he can get after the quarterback for them a little bit but I'm not sure they've completely addressed their defensive needs. Yeah, they do have a couple question marks on the defensive side of the ball, but I really like their offense. I mean, of course, Russell Wilson at quarterback, they're getting um, their running backs back. I mean, do you remember last year? I feel like people might have forgotten about this by now, but the running back situation last year, they had Chris Carson, the starter, go down. Then Rashad Penny, their backup, go down. They brought back Marshawn Lynch. They did. But I mean, how can you not love beast mode Marshawn Lynch? Beast mode, the Skittles God. But yeah, they'll benefit from having Chris Carson back. DK Metcalf was great for them as a rookie wide receiver last year. He'll take a step forward in year two. They've got Tyler Lockett. Uh, They just brought back Josh Gordon too. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got weapons on the outside. So we'll see if they throw the ball a little bit more. I don't know, Lando, how closely you follow like PFF or any of the like Warren Sharp type guys or the football analytics community, but they hate the Seahawks philosophy. Have you seen any of that? No, I'd love to hear more about that because that sounds like the exact kind of stat nerd thing that I would love to look at. So tell me about it. Well, it might hit home for you because you know who their offensive coordinator is, right? Give it to me. Brian Schottenheimer, formerly of the 
UGA Why did Bulldogs. I not know that? We, yeah. we hated that guy. He was the worst. He is the worst. Yeah, so the analytics community hates the Seahawks offense, and I don't know if it's driven by Pete Carroll or Schottenheimer or who, but they just do not throw the ball enough, especially on first and second down. And then if you just look at their total pass attempts from last year, Russ ranked 13th in the league, which you know, if, if you're a winning team and you get leads in games and then just want to run the ball and try to run the clock out, then I get it. But Russ is not a guy that should be throwing it the 13th most times in the league, right? I mean, you got to let him drop back and do his thing. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, look at his touchdown to interception ratio last year. He had 31 touchdown passes and five interceptions, which is pretty crazy. I mean, Lamar Jackson's was actually better than that. He had 36 and six. But yeah, Russ is the man. Russ needs to be airing it out, especially when you got all those deep threats out there. Right. And you ask people who were the best quarterbacks in the league right now, everyone's going to say Mahomes. And then the argument I feel like for second place is Lamar Jackson or Russell Wilson. I mean, if if you think you have a number two, number three, best quarterback in the league, you need to rely on that guy. You you don't just run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down, get to third and six, and then let him do his thing. Like let him air it out. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, let's move on now to the next team in this division, which is the LA Rams. They didn't really have any huge free agent acquisitions in this offseason. They lost a couple of kind of bigger name guys, including Todd Gurley to the Falcons, like we mentioned earlier. And they also lost Corey Littleton, their linebacker, which kind of leaves a huge hole on defense. What do you think about how the Rams look this year? The Rams are intriguing because they went to the Super Bowl two years ago, kind of went all in on contracts. They signed Jared Goff to the big deal, Jalen Ramsey, Todd Gurley. And then after signing Todd Gurley to a record-setting running back deal, kind of found themselves in hell of the salary cap variety. So they let him go, shed a little bit of salary. People thought that they were going to kind of go with the running backs don't matter philosophy, but then they turn around and use their second round pick on Cam Akers. So mm-hmm. I just, I, I like the talent that they have, but I just... I just can't quite get there with them. I mean, similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't think that Jared Goff can quite be that guy. That remains to be seen, but they're they're not my favorite team in this division. Yeah, I mean, I do like some of their their position groups. I mean, they've got a good good set of offensive skill players. I mean, Jared Goff is, is solid. He's not great, but he's solid. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are solid on the outside. Tyler Higby's a pretty good tight end. But I just don't think, especially with some of the losses they incurred on defense this year, that they're going to be as good as they've been previously. I'm kind of I'm kind of down on the Rams this year. They're currently sitting at eight and a half over under on wins, and I like the under. I'm I'm with you on that, and I think it's kind of telling the way that you just described a few of those players as solid, solid, and pretty good. Exactly. I mean, that's what they are, right? Exactly. <laughs> they're an eight and eight, nine and seven type team, and not to mention they have a pretty tough schedule. Like Mm -hmm. this division is brutal. Yes. So in addition to playing the 49ers and Seahawks each twice, the Rams this year will also play the Cowboys, Eagles, Bills, Bears, Bucks, and Patriots. I mean, that's a tough slate. I just, I don't see them winning 10 or 11 games and getting to the playoffs. Yeah, that's really tough. I mean, it's going to be hard for them this year. One guy who is not pretty good on their team, he's amazing, is Aaron Donald. I feel like we have to at least mention him if we're going to talk about the Rams. I mean, that guy is incredible just how much he pressures the quarterback from the interior line position. I mean, in the past three years, this stat is wild. He had 175 quarterback pressures from the interior defensive line, 175. Next closest guy was Fletcher Cox with 99. I mean, that is just unbelievable. Having twice as many as the second best guy in the NFL, which is the best players in the world, that's just mind-blowing. Yeah, Aaron Donald is just a freak show in terms of size and athleticism. He's won Defensive Player of the Year two out of the last three years. He's the favorite again this season. So, I mean, he's going to produce. There's no question about that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not in on the Rams this season. 
a team I'm up on is the other team in this division, which is the Arizona Cardinals. They were they were not great last year. They were five, ten, and one. But Kyler Murray had a really good rookie year, won Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's coming back for his second season. They also traded for DeAndre Hopkins, which is a huge addition alongside Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald at wide receiver with Kenyon Drake at running back. Like that's a fun team to watch, regardless of what you think they're going to do as far as wins and losses in this division. You've got to enjoy watching the Cardinals this year. They are a really fun team, and I, I am up on them in terms of just their, their stock and their future. I'm not quite getting there this year, kind of for the same reason as the Rams. I just think it's a brutal schedule, and having to play the Rams and then those other two teams, the Seahawks and Niners, a total of six times. I mean, I feel like you're going to come out of that, what, three and three at best. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really like the Cardinals, especially on offense. They've got incredible talent now that they added DeAndre Hopkins. The other side of the ball, they just inked Buda Baker to a record-setting deal for safety. Now the highest-paid safety in the league four years 59 million it's a lot of money and then they've got who in my opinion is the most underrated player in the nfl and chandler jones he had 19 sacks last year yep it's insane there's only half a sack behind the, the league leader shaq barrett yeah chandler jones 19 last year the previous two years 13 and 17 i mean he's got 96 career sacked through eight years um the record holder is bruce smith with 200 he's been asked about it and said like i think i can get there so (laughs) yeah i actually have a couple of chandler jones sack stats written down as well let's go what you got he leads all of the nfl in sacks since 2013 which is amazing and was second i mentioned a, a bobby wagner stat earlier for the 2010s he was second in the decade of the 2010s in sacks behind von miller i mean Guy's a monster and doesn't get a whole lot of recognitions. recognition. Like Chandler Jones is a stud and his brother can beat you up. Yeah, he is the younger older brother of Johnny Bones Jones. Actually, I don't know who's older or younger. That's a good question. I think Chandler's younger, I want to say. Okay. But yeah. anyway, he said that he thinks that he can beat Bruce Smith's NFL all-time sack record of 200. So no shortage of confidence in the Bones family. Yeah, definitely not. 200 sacks, now that you just like say that out loud, is an absurd number. Like getting to 100 sacks for a career is kind of like a milestone that not that many guys in NFL history have achieved. 200 is insane. Yeah, guy just claps quarterbacks. Goodness gracious. All right, well, cool. We're done with the Cardinals now? We're done with the Cardinals. So circling back to the winner of the NFC West, who you got winning this one this year? After my Lions pick, I feel like I need to come back down to earth for a little bit. I'm going chalk on this one. I'm taking the Niners. I just think they've got the best roster like what they did this offseason. Niners it is for me. Okay. I I like that. I mean, I I can't fault you for going with the favorite and the defending NFC champion 49ers. I'm going in a different direction. So I've got the 49ers making the playoffs as a wild card, but I'm taking the Seahawks. Okay. Like we mentioned earlier, the the analytics nerds hate the way that they run their offense, but I think that maybe they're going to start to hear that a little more loudly and let Russ cook. If they let him drop back and throw the ball a little bit more, I mean, I think they're really dangerous, like we said, with Lockett, DK Metcalf emerging, and now Josh Gordon as their wide receiver three. Chris Carson's back from injury. They got Bruce Irvin back. They're ready to go. I'm taking the Seahawks in the West. Is this a board bet? It might be. What do you think? Does that mean that we get to make Packers-Lions a board bet? No, I'm <laughs> all the way out on that. Okay, well, let, let's let's save that for later. Okay, okay sounds good. All right, well, that's going to go ahead and wrap it up for our NFC breakdown. We're going to come back and talk about playoffs and Super Bowl later, but let's move on now to the AFC. We're going to start with the division that contains the defending Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. So Preston, why don't you go ahead and kick us off what you got on the Chiefs? 
Well, it's hard not to love the Kansas City Chiefs. Not only are they the defending Super Bowl champions, but they are also champions of the salary cap. Mm-hmm. I mean, this past offseason, they signed Pat Mahomes to that mega deal for, what, 10 years, I think up to $503 million. So <laughs> Pat Mahomes is now the half-billion-dollar man. They also retained star defensive tackle Chris Jones on a four-year $85 million deal um, after George Kittle got his tight end deal from the 49ers. They responded by extending Travis Kelsey four years, 57 million i'm not sure where all this is coming from they might be doing a little bit of embezzlement some of this might be monopoly money but they are uh they are wiggling around the salary cap returning 20 of 22 starters which yeah. is unheard of for a super bowl team what do you think about them yeah i'm pretty sure gus fring is in some way involved in the uh, Chiefs front <laughs> office right now with all this money they've got coming in but yeah they did an incredible job of retaining the roster that won the super bowl last year with a few guys coming back like you said they also added clyde edwards Hilaire, which is an amazing draft pick i mean everyone just thought right when they picked him that is the perfect fit for this offense he's just going to fit in perfectly as a pass catcher out of the backfield and a little fire hydrant of a running back who's so hard to tackle i mean that guy's awesome i mean it's hard like you said to find anything not to like about the chiefs i guess the biggest thing is just the history in the nfl of how hard it is to sustain success over a period of time I mean, there's a reason that nobody has been a back-to-back Super Bowl champion since the Pats in 2003 and 2004. It's just really hard to do, but if anyone can do it, this Chiefs team is awesome. Yes, they are. And you you mentioned Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I mean, pass catching, kind of do-it-all running back out of LSU. Perfect fit for an Andy Reid offense. And they didn't know when they spent their first round pick on him that their starting running back, Damian Williams, was going to opt out of the season. So it becomes even bigger for them and big for all the fantasy football people out there. If you happen to have your draft a month ago for some reason and got him in like the third or fourth round, you are doing a happy dance. But anyway, there's, there's not really much else to say about the Chiefs other than they're just obviously going to be a contender again. Yeah, they're awesome speed all over the field offensive weapons everywhere mvp quarterback i mean they're dope the defense is sick too i mean they, they weren't great at the beginning or i guess maybe the first half of last year but then they just kind of flipped the switch chris jones is a stud they got tyron matthew back there i mean they're just good they're they're awesome all right well like you said there's not a whole bunch of analysis you'd have to do in the chiefs they're they're awesome so let's move on to the seven and nine well i guess a pair of seven and nine teams last year let's start with the denver broncos They've got a really interesting year coming up. They've got Drew Locke at quarterback, who showed some promise, but their offense just has to step up if they're going to be better and and somehow reach playoff contention. They scored 16 points or fewer in over half of their games last year, which is not good. One of their biggest needs this offseason was just adding guys on offense to surround Drew Locke. They added Melvin Gordon in free agency. They signed guard Graham Glasgow to a $44 million deal. And they went double wide receiver with their first two picks, taking Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler to go with Cortland Sutton. What do you think about the, uh, the Broncos offseason and how they're going to look for this upcoming season? Right. You mentioned the weapons they added on offense. I mean, I'm not sure anybody added to their offense more than they did. Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, who Philip Lindsay is a sleeper, by the way. I mean, that's a really good duo at running back. And then Cortland Sutton, he kind of emerged as a star wide receiver last year. You add Judy and Hamler to him. They've got Noah Fant at tight end. I mean, people are higher on drew lock than i am but we're gonna see now that he's surrounded by all these weapons i mean he he could turn it on and have a really good year yeah i mean i think they could be a good offensive team they need to be better on defense as well i know von miller had kind of his worst healthy season of his career last year he is it was the first healthy season he's ever had with single digit sacks so hopefully he'll kind of be back to his normal self next year 
he went to the high school that our parents went to. So, I mean, we got to kind of root for him, right? Oh, yeah? DeSoto guy? Yeah, he's a DeSoto guy, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, and then um, they get Bradley Chubb back, which should be a big, big deal after he missed last season with an injury. And they added Jarrell Casey. So, they're good on the defensive line. We'll see how they do at linebacker in the secondary. But, yeah, the Broncos should be better this year than last year, I would think. I would think so. Will they make the playoffs? That remains to be seen, but... We'll see. Yeah. Moving on to the other seven and nine team in the division, the I have down on my sheet Oakland Raiders. That's not right. They're the Las Vegas Raiders, aren't they? They are the Las Vegas Raiders. It's really sad that they're moving into their new stadium with no fans getting to go there. It looks pretty sick. I mean, they call it, looks it the, awesome. They call it the Death Star because it's just all black. It's in the middle of the desert. Like it's it, really cool. It looks yeah. dope. Yeah. But yeah, they're going to be interesting. I mean, they've got Derek Carr at quarterback, who I was surprised by this. This stat is interesting. There were 26 quarterbacks last year who threw at least 400 passes, and Derek Carr was the only one of those 26 to complete 70% of his passes. I mean, like, wow, it's pretty darn good. Like, really accurate quarterback. They got a bunch of, like, decent wide receivers and slot guys, but they didn't have any stars. So with the 12th pick, they took Henry Ruggs, which, I mean, they're going to kind of throw him into that number one receiver receiver slot. I know you're laughing. Yeah. <laughs> the, that pick made me laugh because, yeah, I think most draft analysts had him as the third best wide receiver in the draft behind Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. But the ghost of Al Davis just said, you have to pick the yes. fastest one. Yes. If, if the Raiders <laughs> didn't pick the fastest guy in the draft, that would be a sign that the world was ending. That's just what they do. That's I mean, they don't know anything else. Right. Hopefully for the Raiders, Henry Ruggs will not channel his inner Darius Hayward Bay and be a complete bust. I think he'll be a slightly better player for them. But question for you about the Las Vegas Raiders. What you got? Who do you think would win a foot race between Henry Ruggs and newly signed tight end Jason Witten? Ooh, that would be close if Jason Witten had a 15-yard head start in the 40-yard dash. 15 and 4. Okay. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. that's relatively fair. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we used to laugh at Jason Witten as Cowboys fans when he caught the ball. He's like, the way he like I guess prancing. It was prancing is the best word to describe yes. it. How he ran after the catch was just pretty funny. And they also added Nelson Aguilar, which is really good if you're trying to lead the league in drops. So, yep. I mean, he's a, he's a great uh, dropper of the ball. But their biggest problem last year, like a lot of these teams, was defensively. They were the 24th ranked team in the league. And they were second to last in turnovers force. So they tried to address that this offseason. They added Corey Littleton from the Rams. They also got Malik Collins, Carl Nassib, Jeff Heath. Like not a bunch of big names other than Corey Littleton's a good player. But their defense needs to take a step forward if they're going to be better than they were last year. I agree with you. And then one more guy that I feel obligated to mention offensively is Waller the Baller. Darren Waller yeah. had a great season he last did. year. It kind of made the uh, the Jason Witten signing was a little bit of a head scratcher. I mean, I don't know why they would bring in another tight end after what Darren Waller did last season. He broke out with 90 catches for over 1,100 yards. I mean, he was an absolute stud for them. So um, similar to the situation with Drew Locke, now Derek Carr is surrounded with weapons. We're going to find out if he's the guy for the future or not. Yeah, I mean, if I had to bet on it, I, I like to bet on Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a good player. It was only a couple of years ago that they had a chance to make a run in the playoffs had Derek Carr not gotten hurt. I think he's better than he's been given the opportunity to be. Like He just hasn't had the people around him or the team surrounding him to make that step forward, but I think he's got a chance this year, and I think he's going to do it. I think he's a good player. I like that. Jumping on the Derek Carr bandwagon. That's, yeah. that's heartwarming. Yeah, not, not necessarily on the Raiders bandwagon, but Derek Carr, I believe in Derek Carr. Another uh, younger brother that's better. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> okay, so last team in this division, the Los Angeles Chargers. So they've had kind of a big changing of the guard at quarterback here, moving on from Philip Rivers, who has been their quarterback for the last 75 years, and now it will be Tyrod Taylor. 
It will. Yeah, they took Justin Herbert with their first pick, but I think they see him as kind of like a project to start in a couple of years. I think, I mean, they called it a quarterback battle, but all along, everybody expected Tyrod Taylor to be their starter at the beginning of the year, and he will be. I mean, I love the chess match of like teams trying to fit their personnel to the top competitors in their division. I mean, the Chargers added Chris Harris this offseason, and they already had a really good secondary, so that made them one of the best secondaries in the league, which they had to be because they're going against the Chiefs. Unfortunately for them, Derwin James went down for the season with a knee injury, and that's just that's a devastating loss for them. I mean, if they had any chance of kind of climbing the ranks in this division, they needed him, and now they don't have him, so I don't expect a whole lot from the Chargers this year. I don't either, especially, I mean, going with Tyrod at the beginning of the season, I yeah. feel like this season for them is just kind of about getting Justin Herbert acclimated to the NFL. Um, he's going to have some weapons once he does step in there. Austin Eckler is really good. Uh, they just inked, I think, a four-year $80 million deal for wide receiver Keenan Allen, mm-hmm. who is an underrated receiver he's in the really NFL. Good I mean, he's really good player. He's like top 10 receiver. Mm-hmm. So they've definitely got some talent on both sides of the ball, but they are certainly not my pick to win the division. But let's make our picks. Lando, who you got in the AFC West? Chiefs. <laughs> okay um yeah i agree yeah there's there's not much to be said there no I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be a hot take artist on this one no chiefs all day okay afc south time let's start off with the team who won the afc south last year which was the houston texans at 10 and 6 they had one of the bigger trades that i can remember in the nfl this offseason when they traded deandre hopkins for david johnson they tried to replace him by trading to acquire brandon cooks but he's going to be hard to replace. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins could be considered by many people to be the best receiver in the NFL. They they do have some depth at the position now. I mean, they've got Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller, Kenny Stills, Randall Cobb is kind of thrown in the mix there too. But uh, it's it's interesting. I, I find it interesting that they were 10 and six last year and they're over under for wins this year, seven and a half, which is a pretty steep drop off. What do you think about the Texans this year? Yeah, you mentioned the trade, and if anyone out there who plays fantasy football has kind of a donkey in their league who just continually makes terrible trades that the league has to veto, I feel like that has become Bill O'Brien in the NFL. I mean, everyone just kind of makes fun of all these trades he makes. Like, netting David Johnson a terrible running back contract and a second round pick for DeAndre Hopkins, arguably the best receiver in the NFL. I mean, like he got less than I think the uh, Vikings got for Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. A couple other trades made this look bad too. I mean, I just don't see how this is possible. And so I am down on the Texans this year. I mean, Deshaun Watson's still really good. He's still got guys to distribute the ball to, but there's no like bona fide star there. Their number one receiver is projected to be Will Fuller, but he gets hurt pretty much every season. Mm-hmm. So I don't know, man. I'm, I'm down on the Texans. I love Deshaun. I, I'm happy he got his four-year deal, $160 million, but I don't love the Texans. Yeah, I'm, I'm right, right there with you. I love Deshaun Watson. I love J.J. Watt, because how could you not? But there's not a whole lot that I love on the rest of the team. I mean, they're just kind of eh to me. They're just like not that exciting, not that great at any single skill position. I mean, yeah, like you said, down in the Texans this year. Yep, fading the guys. But moving on to the next team who I am absolutely not fading this year, the Tennessee Titans. The Texans are the favorite to win the division. A lot of people sleeping on the Titans here. Uh, I want to point out the fact that Marcus Mariota started the first six games for the Titans last year. Um, after he got benched and Ryan Tannehill took over, the Titans finished 7-3 and three with one of the most efficient offenses in the league. So, Lando, what do you think about the Titans? Yeah, the Titans are tough. Once they kind of found their footing and their identity last year, they, I mean, they were beating up on some people. Derrick Henry is just an animal. Like, what else do you say about that guy? It's 
unbelievable if you look at him that he's a running back. That guy is a horse. <laughs> I think you posted on Instagram. He was a horse yeah. running over an old lady. Yeah, I mean, was... he's like 240 pounds, and I saw something that I think he's only gained like five pounds since high school. Can you imagine that? I mean, did you have you ever seen his high school stats? Oh, they're insane. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he, he's got like 600 yards and seven touchdowns in a game. Just insane stuff. Yeah, I think he had like over 12,000 yards for his in his four-year high school career or something insane like that. Like, yeah, how do you tackle that guy in high school? But they've got some other guys too. I mean, A.J. Brown had a really good rookie year last year. He had over 1,000 yards with only 52 catches, which is kind of crazy. He was second in the league behind Mike Williams for yards per reception. I'm also looking for my boy Janu Smith to step up this year. Janu. I mean, that guy's that guy's a beast. Yeah, he's got some uh, some serious versatility. Kind of lines up all over the field. They even lined him up in the backfield last time and uh, last year ran some sweeps to him. So that's kind of fun. They took a dog in the draft, Isaiah Wilson, to uh, shore up that offensive line. And then the big news in, within the last 24 hour, hours is adding Jadavian Clowney in free agency. What you think about that? That's a big addition. I mean, they have Harold Landry on the other side rushing the passer. He's a young guy out of Virginia, had nine sacks last year. So Landry and Clowney coming off the opposite edges. That defense can wreak some havoc. Mike Rabel, defensive-minded head coach, they're going to be pretty good. Uh, but back to the offensive end real quick, just because I want to throw out some more love for my guy Ryan Tannehill, who led me to a couple fantasy titles last year. Derrick Henry's stats. It was a tale of two seasons for Derrick Henry. The six games that Marcus Mariota started, Derrick Henry average 69 rushing yards per game. Uh, in the second half of the season after Tannehill took over, Derrick Henry had rushing yard totals of, you ready for this? Yep. 188, 159, 149, 103, and 211. Wow. Yes. On his way to winning the rushing title with over 1,500 yards and 16 tutties. I mean, people, when you think about this Tennessee Titans team, specifically the offense, Derrick Henry is their identity, but it didn't open up until that threat of Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball downfield, specifically to A.J. Brown. You mentioned those deep balls. I mean, he he completely turned their season around. Yeah. I mean, you typically worry about a running back coming off of a season like that where he was just fed the ball so many times. But if there's anybody that can take a pounding over and over again, it's Derrick Henry. I mean, if you just look at that guy, he's he's made to carry the load. That's just that's just how he is. I expect him to win the rushing title again this year. Yeah, me too. And like you said, you when running backs have that kind of mileage, you expect them to regress, and he will eventually. But Derrick Henry is not built like any other running back you've ever seen. That guy eats linebackers and safeties for breakfast. He's not worried about those dudes. With Ryan Tannehill starting at quarterback the whole season, what is your guess for how many yards Derrick Henry has this season? Hmm, I would think that the over-under is probably, what, around 1,400? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 1,450. Okay. I mean, you don't think he has a chance? Do you think he has an outside chance at, like, pushing that 2,000-yard barrier? I mean, you're, not, you're never going to predict that. But with how much they're going to feed him the ball with Ryan Tannehill back there and the threat of throwing the ball, I mean, you would never actually go out there and predict a 2,000-yard season. At least I wouldn't. But he's the kind of guy that can do it. I mean, he's the guy that's going to get enough volume to, to kind of push that barrier. I don't know. We'll see. It would be really cool to see. It's just, it's hard to predict that kind of thing because if I can nerd out for a second, it just kind of depends on how well their defense plays, what their schedule is, just kind of the game flow, whether they're running the ball from ahead or trying to come back from behind. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, it would be very intriguing to see that. Yeah, a couple of other defensive additions for them. They added Christian Fulton, the cornerback from LSU in the second round of the draft. And they also added Vic Beasley to go as another pass rusher with Jadavian Clowney. I mean, like, that's a pretty good team. I like them a lot. Yeah, I like them. Okay, well, I think we might be on the same page here, but we'll, we'll get back to them here in a All minute. Right. Anything else on the Titans before we move on to the Colts? Done on the Titans. 
All right, let's let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts. New face at quarterback, journeyman Phil Rivers and his nine kids have ventured out to Indy. How do you feel about them? <laughs> I mean, I like Phillip Rivers. He didn't have a good season last year. He had 20 interceptions last year, which is not great, but I do like him. He's a, he's a good player. He's a winner. I love how good their offensive line is. I mean, they've got one of the best offensive lines in all of football, led by Quentin Nelson, which is the he's the first player in NFL history to be named first team all pro in his first two seasons as an offensive lineman. I mean, that's pretty impressive. They're really, really good up front. They have T.Y. Hilton as their number one receiver, but they need some guys behind him. So their last two years with their second round picks, they took Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr. They really need those two guys to step up. And if they do, that's going to be a tough team to stop. Yeah, that could be a really good trio out at wide receiver. Uh, and you mentioned the offensive line. So uh, Pro Football Focus ranks the Colts the number three offensive line in all of football. And I think it's mainly due to their run blocking ability. Mm-hmm. In terms of pass blocking, I don't think that they're quite as good. Last year, Jacoby Brissett, who was the Colts quarterback, he was pressured 44 times, which was number one in the league, tied with Deshaun Watson. So just the thought of Phillip Rivers, who did not get pressured nearly that much last year with the Chargers, you know, having to dance around in the pocket, run for his life. I'm a little bit pessimistic on how that's going to go. I mean, I I like Philip Rivers as a person. He's had a great career, but I just worry that he's just regressed to the point where he's just gone full noodle arm, and I just don't know if he can bounce back. Yeah, he's not the most mobile of quarterbacks, so if he does get pressured, he's going to be in trouble. But I also like their running back tandem. I mean, they drafted Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin to go along with Marlon Mack, and with that amazing offensive line run blocking ability i mean that's a pretty tough team to stop if they can get the ball running like that right and if they can play pretty good defense and you know keep it within one score and be playing from ahead then that running back duo could just go wild it's just where i worry about them is if they are playing from behind and phil rivers needs to go you know how he has that shot put passing motion (laughs) that has finally caught up with him i don't know i just i'm I'm kind of fading phil rivers as much as i hate to say it okay um also got a few good players on defense they traded for deforest buckner who is a monster i mean he's got he's the kind of guy that has the talent to change games on the defensive line Justin Houston isn't the 22 sack per season monster that he used to be, but he still had double digits last year. He had 11 sacks last year. And then Darius Leonard is a really, really good player. As a rookie a couple of years ago, he led the entire league in tackles. And then last year, he was the only player in all of football to have at least 100 tackles, five sacks, and five interceptions. So pretty darn good. Yeah, he is really good. So yeah, they've, they've got talent on the defensive side of the ball. We'll, we'll see how that goes. I'm out on the Colts, but uh, who are you taking to win the division? We're doing this again. We're not even going to talk about the Jags before we go to picks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm going to be honest. I kind of okay. forgot about the Jags, okay, but let, let's, let's talk Jags. Okay, okay. So Jags, the Jags are kind of funny to me because every year in the NFL, you have teams who are tanking for the best player in the draft, but I don't think I've ever seen one as overt as this. The Jags are the most, the putting in the most effort to tanking that I've ever seen. They're just getting rid of everybody that's making any money and being like, let's lose them all. Let's let's tank for Trevor. It's on. Right, but like the Leonard Fournette thing, did they get any benefit from cutting him? Like, why no. are they just they just want to shed all talent possible just to guarantee that they yes. get this number one pick? Exactly. Yeah, so they're they're tanking for Trevor. If I'm Trevor Lawrence, I am just trembling with fear right now that I'm going to end up the only good football player on the 53 man roster in Jacksonville. But <laughs> yeah, that, that's going to be 
pretty interesting from a fantasy standpoint um, for you fantasy footballers out there I do like a couple guys on the Jags just because they're going to be throwing the ball Mm -hmm. all game every game Uh, DJ Chark the Charknado um, he's going to be really good again this year he did well last year up until he missed the last I think two or three games with a leg injury but I'm, I'm big on him and then now that they're Running back situation is starting to kind of round out a little bit. Chris Thompson, he's mm-hmm. a Jay Gruden guy. Jay Gruden loves him. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. He could be really good, especially in PPR leagues. So. Yeah, he's a great receiver out of the backfield. So I like where your head's at there. I mean, yes, they're getting, getting rid of all veteran talent and everyone who's making money, but they did have 11 picks in this draft, including uh, two first rounders. They took CJ Henderson, the cornerback out of Florida, and Caleb on Chason, the best name in the draft, linebacker out of LSU. So, I mean, they've, they've got some young guys, I mean, rookies this year. They're not, they're going to be terrible. What do you think about the over under four and a half wins? I mean, isn't that high? I'm going uh, even. Even? Okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. I don't think they're going to win four and a half games. I don't know how many ties count as a half. <laughs> I love that you didn't even bat an I didn't eye even, at that. I didn't even bat an eye at that. That was so bad. <laughs> yeah, they went uh, six and ten last year, and they're significantly worse, are they not? Like, I, I'm going under all day. I got to go under. Yeah, I'll, I'll give them three and thirteen. I mean, three and thirteen might be generous. They're trying to lose every game. Yes, they're going to be very, very bad. But that reminded me. I don't know. I can't remember if we talked about this on our last episode when we mentioned the Yannick Ngakwe trade from the Jags to the Vikings. Did you see the stat about their 2017 team, the Jags that went to the AFC yeah. show? Yeah, but say it again. And they should have beaten the Pats in that game and gone on to the Super Bowl. But yeah, they had six pro bowlers on that defense, all of which are now gone and 14 total defensive players who played at least, I think, 300 snaps that season, and 12 of those are gone. The only ones left are, I think, Miles Jack, and I can't remember the other one. Wow. But just I, they're just such a poorly run organization. So <laughs> if I am the a potential number one overall pick, like I said, I am just very scared of going there. Yes, I would not be about that. All right, well, who do you have to win this division? I think I know where you're going with this. Yes, after I just oozed with praise for Ryan Tannehill, um, I have to go with the Tennessee Titans. I just like them. I mean, like we said, not only did they go 7-3 and three in the regular season after Ryan Tannehill took over last year in the playoffs, they beat the Patriots, kind of ending that dynasty for good, mm-hmm. and then they shocked and beat the Ravens. I mean, they took down that Lamar Jackson MVP offense and a really good Ravens defense. I think that game was like 28-12. to 12. It was never close. Mm-hmm. Just kind of beat them at their own game and played some smash ball, smash mouth football running the ball playing d i mean i just like this titans team all right i'm actually going to disagree with you on this one are you going colts i'm going colts oh. dude let's go board it's it's on the board i was already thinking that it's got to go on the board put it on the board okay. titans baby titans and colts yeah tighten I mean, up I, I like the colts i'm a bigger fan of philip rivers apparently than you are you think he has a noodle arm i think he's still pretty good i just like their offensive talent and i think they've got enough difference makers on defense i'm going with them to win the division all right, Ryan Tannehill versus Noodle Arm Phil. That's that's going to be an interesting <laughs> Let's one. Let's go. Put it on the board. All right. All right, so the next division we want to talk about is the AFC East. I'm really excited to talk about this one because, of course, the lead on this is the New England Patriots. What do you think, Lando? Well, I thought it was really intriguing how they went into the offseason and just kind of let everybody believe that they were going to allow Jared Stidham to be their starting quarterback. I can't believe that I allowed my brain to think that for like two months. Yeah, they they got like two practices and they're like, okay, Cam Newton, let's find, let's find somebody else. So yeah, they brought in Brian Hoyer, Cam Newton, Cam won the starting job. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a different look this year. I mean, it's just going to be so weird watching the Patriots play and not seeing Tom Brady out there. My, my brain's going to take a while to get adjusted to that. 
Yeah, not only is it not Tom Brady, but it being Cam Newton is just such a polar opposite, like this huge dude who's kind of a dual threat quarterback as opposed to Tom Brady being a statue back there. I mean, it's just going to be so strange. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to this offense. I mean, I I think that they're going to be kind of run first because they've got cam um they've got what three or four backs Mm -hmm. that they're going to use damian williams sony michelle rex burkhead for god knows what reason gets in there and then james white the third down back so they're going to run the ball a ton um what i'm really looking forward to is how cam bounces back for this from this injury i mean he's got to have a huge chip on his shoulder i think getting signed to like a one-year deal worth three million Mm -hmm. the list of guys who are making more money than him includes like chase daniel Taysom hill Case Keenum, Tyrod Taylor. I mean, he's going to come out pissed off. And honestly, I kind of hope he plays well. Yeah, he's going to be out there trying to prove something. I mean, I expect him to be there for one year, try to have the best season he can and, and go elsewhere for a bigger contract after this year. I mean, the Patriots were not in a great spot after Tom Brady left. This is kind of rebuilding for them. They were one of the older teams in the NFL last year, and they also were not in a great spot in terms of salary cap. So they just kind of dumped some, some money and tried to get younger. And it's just funny because a rebuilding year for the Patriots is not a rebuilding year for everybody else. Like when everyone else is rebuilding, they go four and 12. When the Patriots rebuild, like they're going to go eight and eight or nine and seven or something like that. So they'll still be solid, but they'll be different and they just won't quite be as good as they've been in the past, but they're the Patriots are the best run organization in the NFL. So I still think they're going to win some football games. They will. And we, we mentioned their offense and kind of the, uh, the, transition from Tom Brady to Cam Newton kind of a run first offense now but moving on to the defensive side of the ball they've had a lot of opt-outs including linebacker Dante Hightower and safety Patrick Chung I think they had eight total opt-outs on their team so they're um they're facing some difficulty here yeah I mean defensively they not only had those big opt-outs they also just lost some guys in free agency I mean Kyle Van Noy Jamie Collins Danny Shelton all left like that those are some huge losses but still it's the Patriots I mean they haven't finished even 500 or worse since 2000 20 years in a row they've finished better than 500 they've been nine or nine and seven or better every year for 20 years that's it's insane it is insane and it's just so weird when you look at the odds on this division because the patriots have won it i think every year since 1776 but now you look at the odds and the bills are the odds on favor and it's like all right I guess I'll roll with that. Their biggest win was 1776, but they've had some other good ones too. Right. Well, let's move on to the Patriots' biggest threat to win the AFC East title, and that would be the favorite Buffalo Bills. Lando, what do you think about the Bills going into this year? So I'm just going to go ahead and give it away. The Lions are my NFC guys. The Bills are my AFC guys. Is that your Super Bowl matchup? Uh, No. (laughs) Okay. But regular season division races, I really like the Bills. I mean, any team who has been so tortured that their fans just decide to throw each other through tables at tailgates, that's that's a team worth rooting for, in my opinion. I mean, you got to want them to win. They're like the cursed Red Sox slash Cubs of the NFL. I mean, they haven't ever won a Super Bowl, and now they've got a talented team. They're coming off of a playoff appearance last year going 10-6. and six. I kind of like what they're bringing to the table. They got Josh Allen coming back at quarterback, who hopefully will take another step forward this year. They got a really good defense. All in on the Bills. 
Okay, I like the Bills too, and I like that you gave a shout out to Bills Mafia, the tailgate legends. I mean, I saw somebody mention that they could have an advantage this year because they might be the ones who have the most fans at the games, mm-hmm. right? Because like yeah. those people are going to find a way into the stadium <laughs> yeah. one way or another. No, but in all seriousness, the Bills, they've got a really good team. They're anchored on defense by cornerback Trey White, who just signed a four-year, $70 million deal. Uh, they just, they've got a lot of talent. Took a step forward last year. They need Josh Allen to play a little bit better as a passer but that that run game should be pretty good with Devin Singletary and Zach Moss in the backfield I like the Bills too yeah I mean they added Stephon Diggs too which we can't forget I mean Stephon Diggs along with John Brown and Cole Beasley is a pretty good wide receiver trio I mean Josh Allen was still a good quarterback last year despite pretty terrible accuracy actually I think he completed like 58 percent of his passes but he's a big dude and he's really dangerous with his legs so I mean if he takes a step forward they could be scary do you know the Josh Allen story do you know his background I remember people digging up old tweets from him on draft day. That's yeah, not what you're talking that about. That wasn't good. Like, uh, okay. like his uh, out of high school and college deal. Oh, the uh, letters. Yeah. Remind yeah. Me. I mean, like it's one of my favorite stories. So he came out of high school, small town in California. Nobody knew who he was, got no attention whatsoever out of high school, went to junior college and still got no attention. So when he was done with his first year of junior college, he sent an email just introducing himself with an attached highlight video of himself to every head coach, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, and position coach in the entire FBS, everybody. And out of all those teams, there were only two teams that really like gave him a look. Wyoming and Eastern Michigan offered him a scholarship, and then Eastern Michigan rescinded the scholarship when he visited Wyoming. So he had one offer and then ended up going to Wyoming and killing it and then making it to the NFL as a top pick. So, I mean, like, how do you not root for that guy? Like, that's a cool story. I just, I love the stick to that he had. I'm rooting for Josh Allen big time. Yeah, I really like that. It's a cool story. And like we said, I mean, I just, I hope that he is able to take that step forward. I mean, I think in college at Wyoming, he was also like a 56, 58% passer. Mm-hmm. So that might just be who he is. But maybe as he continues to develop and gets weapons like Stefan Diggs, he can improve. So, yeah, I mean, everyone thought that Lamar Jackson was that until last year. I mean, I'm not saying that Josh Allen's Lamar Jackson, but I'm just saying it's possible to suddenly kind of make a leap and become a more accurate passer. And if you do that, you are scary. I like it. All right. So let's move on to uh, another team in the AFC East. This is my personal pick for dumpster fire of the year. The New York Jets. What you got on the Jets, man? I mean, the Jets not only suck at football, they're actually also just really unexciting to talk about. Like I just, I'm already, I'm already over the Jets. I mean, I guess the most exciting things that Le'Veon Bell is calling out Adam Gase for not getting the ball enough in practice. And uh, yeah, that's kind of all I got on the Jets. I'm, I'm over it. Right. Le'Veon doesn't like Adam Gase. From all accounts, apparently Le'Veon looks like he's maybe gained a little weight and lost a step. I mean, they're just a disaster. But Adam Gase, I just, I can't believe that this guy still has a head coaching job. I would think that this is the final year of that. The the list of offensive players who have played a ton better after getting out from under Adam Gase includes Ryan Tannehill, my guy, mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, and several others. I mean, I mean, everywhere he goes has just been unsuccessful. I think he made a name for himself as the offensive coordinator for that historically good offense for the Denver Broncos in 2015. But everybody knows if you have Peyton Manning as your quarterback, you're not really doing all that much as an OC, right? Yeah, Peyton Manning, of all people, was the most 
offensive coordinator-ish quarterback of all time. I mean, he, the guy would just go up to the line and run the show from the line of scrimmage. I mean, I could be that offensive coordinator with Peyton Manning as the quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Like, Adam Gase made a name for himself for running that offense, but running that offense means, like, drawing up a scheme, calling a play, and then Peyton Manning goes up to the line and is saying, you know, Omaha, Omaha, orange barrel, reroute nationwide <laughs> is on your side, and changes the play eight times before he snaps the ball. So do you really deserve that credit for that offense? Chicken parm, it tastes so good. <laughs> right. There you go, yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, Peyton Manning is the OC there. So Adam Gase somehow landed a head coaching job with the Dolphins, which was unsuccessful. Now he is toward the end of another unsuccessful head coaching stint with the Jets. So I think that this is going to be the last year of that. Luckily, I saw the NFL over-under odds come out a couple months ago, and the Jets were over-under seven wins. So I jumped on that real quick. Yes. S- since then, they have traded away Jamal Adams to the Seahawks and then also had linebacker CJ Mosley draw or opt out of the season. So they're going to be down their, you know, two best defenders from last year. I expect them to be bad to quite bad. Yeah. Sam Darnold is another quarterback who's kind of make it or break it in the near future. They got to see what he's got and decide whether or not he's their quarterback in the long run. They don't have a lot of great position players on offense. I do want to shout out us for a good scouting job on Denzel Mims though. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... Baylor Bear. Baylor Bears, yeah. So, for the last uh, three years, our sister's been a cheerleader at Baylor. So, every year we've gone down for one game and also just watched them more on TV than probably the normal person would be watching Baylor football. And from that first time we ever saw them, we're like, no one knows who this guy is, but he's really good. And I'm glad that he ended up actually being good and getting drafted decently high in the NFL draft. Right, especially because Baylor was kind of going through a little bit of a rebuild after Art Bryles. They just didn't have a ton of talent, and Denzel Mims just popped. Like yeah, when we you would like, go watch them, good. you're like, "Who's that guy?" Yeah, we saw. It was I guess it was Laurel's freshman year. We saw um, them play against Baker Mayfield in Oklahoma. And so, I mean, that was a really big game against a good team, and Denzel Mims looked awesome in that game. We're like, okay, let's go. we like this guy. He's going to be a stud. Right, so big Denzel Mims guys, but he's not going to save Sam Darnold or Adam Gase there. Agreed. So they're, they're going to be tough. And then a not-so-good but much more exciting team in this division, the last one, the Miami Dolphins. What do you think about the Dolphins? So I'm kind of sad that they cut Josh Rosen because I was really looking forward to him pulling off this like unprecedented move where he goes one spot lower on the roster or in the depth chart, I should say, every year of his career. I mean, started as a rookie, back up as a second year. He was going to be third string his third year. And then next year, he was going to be the face of the XFL. But um, I'm, not, I'm, not really <laughs> sure. I'm not really sure what's going to happen there now. I mean, yeah, they've got uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa, who is eventually going to take over as the starting quarterback. I mean, they've got a lot of stuff, a lot of moving parts going on in this team. What do you think? I like them. I mean, they surprised people last year because a lot of people thought they might go 0-16. It was kind of a tank for Tua type thing. Uh, they ended up winning five games, getting the number five overall pick and still getting their guy Tua. It sounds like Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be the starting quarterback at the beginning of the season. Tua may come in later, but I don't know. I, I like what they're doing. Brian Flores, a uh, former defensive coordinator, a Bill Belichick disciple, is their head coach. He's a really likable guy. They signed some big free agents on the defensive side, linebacker Kyle Van Noy, cornerback Byron Jones. I mean, that's one of the best cornerback duos in the league with Jones and Xavier Howard. Yeah, they did a ton this offseason. You said those two guys, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard, they also took a corner in the first round. They got Noah Igbenogany out of Auburn. I mean, that's Say it again. Noah Igbenogany. Love that's, it. That's a great name. I mean, I hate Auburn, but that's a great name. But yeah, I mean, they, they retooled on defense. They also retooled along the offensive line. They signed Eric Flowers and uh, drafted Austin Jackson. 
They also got Robert Hunt and Solomon Kinley on the inside. Like that could be a new defense, a new offensive line. I mean, they're, they're making moves. They're doing a lot. And I respect the effort. I do too. I'm excited to watch them. I don't think that they're you know going to contend for the playoffs this year, but I feel like they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, they're very similar to the Cardinals for me in that I don't think they're going to be in playoff contention this year, but I like what they're doing with all their young guys and they're they're heading in the right trajectory, like you're saying. With fronds like these, who needs Igbenogonies? <laughs> All right, well, let's do our picks for the AFC East. It sounds like I think we're both going with the Buffalo Bills, but who you got? Yeah, Bills Mafia all day. I'm riding them to the end. Bills and Lions are my are my two uh, are my two favorite regular season teams this year. Okay, I like it. So I'm going with the Bills in this division too. I think that they finished the season 11 and five and finally in this Patriots streak of uh, AFC East titles. Um, but I do have the Patriots making NFL history. What's that? Getting the first ever seven seed in the AFC. <laughs> okay. All right. So the Falcons and the Pats are the two seven seeds. Those are my guys. Okay. Yeah. So right. so Patriots, I got them making the playoffs as a seven, but Bills, I mean, I just, I think they've got too much talent. They're going to win this division. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's move on now to the AFC North, starting with the Baltimore Ravens, who went 14 and two last year, having the best record in all the NFL. What you got in the Ravens? I'm excited to watch the Ravens for a lot of reasons. One, because Lamar Jackson is just one of the most electrifying guys to watch in the game up there with Pat Mahomes. But the Ravens just, they could come out this season one of two ways, right? It's one, like we went 14-2 and two and then got beat up in the playoffs by a wild card. So they could come out with like a little bit of a hangover or they could come out with a chip on their shoulder, go 14-2 and two again, put them, you know, in position as the one seed to make a run to the Super Bowl. So yeah, last year was kind of the year of the Lamar Jackson explosion. It was his age 22 season and he won the NFL MVP. He had 1,200 rushing yards and seven touchdowns while all also throwing for 36 tutties against only six picks. I mean, the guy is an athletic freak. He puts up video game numbers. Excited to watch him. Yeah, the Ravens for me are just can't miss TV. Their offense is just unprecedented in the NFL. They do things that nobody else does, led by Lamar Jackson, as you were talking about. I mean, that touchdown to interception ratio, plus the fact that he led the NFL in yards per carry is awesome. And it's not just the the statistical production. It's also just the entertainment value. Like he just destroys people's ankles on a regular basis. It's, oh, he's an ankle taker. It's yeah, so he'll, much he'll fun murder guys. Yeah. I mean, as an offense in total, they led the NFL in rushing offense by almost 1000 yards. I mean, how crazy is that? They had 991 more rushing yards than the second best rushing team in the league. That's pretty sick. It is pretty sick. Mark Ingram had a really good year last year, and now they add J.K. Dobbins in the second round of the draft. I mean, I think that they said they weren't really planning on taking a running back at all, but when that talented of a guy fell to them out of Ohio State, they had to take him. So that adds to that rushing attack. What I am going to look out for this year is if they start trying to throw the ball a little bit more in the regular season, just to kind of prepare for the playoffs. Like, Mm -hmm. they're not going to need to to win, but I don't know. Like, you look at Lamar Jackson, and this is something that I've said about him the past year or so is um, it's kind of a page out of the bill parcells book um let's let's put away the anointing oil mm-hmm. <laughs> let the guy win a playoff game before yeah. we put him in the hall of fame his playoff career he is zero and two with three touchdowns and three picks while completing 51 percent of his passes like he's he's got to step it up when these defenses start to game plan against him put a spy on him try to make him throw the ball outside the numbers and i just I, i'm gonna look out for them trying to practice almost a little bit even if they have a lead throwing the ball downfield yeah that's an interesting point i mean 
mean, the kind of weird part about that is their passing offense is still so predicated on the running offense. If teams are less worried about them running, then their passing kind of takes a step backwards rather than a step forwards for me. So that's a really interesting thing to watch. I mean, one thing they needed to upgrade this offseason was wide receivers. They needed a little bit more help on the outside. They didn't address it in free agency or at the very top of the draft, but one of my favorite picks in the draft was Devin Duvernay in the third round. We've watched a lot of him at Texas the last couple of years. He's a really good player. I think he could be a difference maker for them, I mean, as early as this year. Yeah, Duvernay's solid. I like that pick too. I think their number one receiver is going to be Marquise Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are rumors out there about them flirting with his cousin, Antonio Brown. Earl Thomas leaves. Once you lose one full-blown psychopath, you got to bring another in. Yeah, you got you to meet your psychopath quota. Yeah, exactly. So that could be something to watch as that develops. I mean, I think he's suspended for at least the first eight games of the season, but he could be you know whipped into shape before the playoffs. So keep an eye on that because outside of Hollywood, I mean... Mark Andrews might be their leading pass catcher. Mm -hmm. They might need a little bit more of firepower in the passing game if they're going to compete with the Chiefs. Yeah, all of their wide receivers combined last year had 115 catches, which was by far the lowest in the NFL. That's that's not a lot. Looking to the other side of the ball, they kind of needed to step up their game a little bit after getting run all over by Derrick Henry in the playoffs. So they retooled a little bit there. They added Calais Campbell, Derrick Wolf, Matthew Judon, and then drafted Patrick Queen at the end of the first round. The linebacker out of LSU, who's a really good player. I like what they did as far as offseason additions. I think they're going to come back and make another run. I'm with you. I like what they did a lot offensively. It's just going to come down to, do they have enough on offense? And I I know that it feels funny to say that with the way Lamar played last year, but once you get to the playoffs, it's a different animal. You got to compete with, you know, Pat Mahomes and some of these other high scoring teams. So we'll see what they can do, but let's move on to their bitter rival. Who's going to have a completely different look this year with big Ben back. How are you feeling about the Steelers? Yeah, it's kind of weird just thinking about the Steelers because they, like you said, were a different team last year. It's amazing that even though he only played two games, Big Ben only played two games, that the Steelers still went eight and eight last year. They did it despite having the 30th best offense in the league, but they had a really good defense led by TJ Watt, Cameron Hayward, Devin Bush, Mika Fitzpatrick. I mean, that's a really good defense. That reminds me, were you present the first time I ever played against Cameron Hayward in AAU basketball? I don't think I was, but I remember some of the stories. That guy is a monster. (laughs) Yeah. So the first time we ever played, I ended up playing him probably five times, but the first time we ever played against Cameron Hayward in AAU basketball was at a Christmas tournament at Northview High School in eighth grade. And we were warming up and everything. And until the starting lineups went out onto the court for tip-off, we thought Cameron Hayward was a coach. He, okay, he yeah, like, I remember that. <laughs> he looked like a full-grown man. In eighth grade, he was like 6'3", 240 with a full beard. And he's continued to be a monster. I mean, he's made like, whatever, $80 million so far in the NFL, and he deserves every bit of it. He's awesome. T.J. Watt's awesome. Minka Fitzpatrick, that was a huge acquisition for them early in the year last year. Their defense is amazing, and I think with Big Ben back, they're scary. They are scary. I really like them this year. I mean, TJ Watt following in his brother JJ's footsteps. He's a candidate for defensive player of the year. Having a full season of Minka Fitzpatrick's really going to help them. I mean, people were kind of hating on that trade last year because they traded their first rounder and it ended up being kind of a middle round pick. People were like, with Big Ben out, I mean, this might end up in the top five. You shouldn't do this, but it, it panned out pretty well. Yeah, they're just a winning organization. I mean, I trust them in a similar way, not quite to the same extent, but in a similar way that I trust the Patriots or like the Spurs. They just, they're winners. I mean, the organization is a winning organization. Mike Tomlin's a winning coach and they just find a way to get some W's. 
Right. So they're, they're definitely a team to uh, watch this year as a comeback story. Cause last year, I mean, when big Ben went down, Mason Rudolph stepped, stepped in and did okay. But I think the most notable thing he did all season was almost have his head caved in by yep, miles Garrett. Sure did. And then Devlin duck Hodges came and took over for Mason Rudolph. He wasn't much better, even though he's a much more likable guy. But anyway, big Ben is back. The walking boot is gone. The caveman beard's gone. He slimmed down a little bit. So I'm sure that Juju Smith Schuster and the boys are going to be really happy to be catching passes from Big Ben again as opposed to these other dudes. Heard that. All right, well, let's move on to the talk of last offseason, the Cleveland Browns, who had a really disappointing year and went 6-10. and 10. You just mentioned Mason Rudolph. I'll bring up his arch nemesis, Miles Garrett, who hopefully will not be the happy Gilmore of football this year and be the only guy to take off his helmet and try to whack somebody with yep. it. But, um, I mean, they should be... I think they're going to be better than they were last year. They reloaded along the offensive line, which was a weakness for them last year. They got Jack Conklin, who was the best right tackle in the market, and drafted Jedrick Wills at the top of the first round to play left tackle. So the bookends of the line are going to be much better. We already know they have a lot of skill players on the outside with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, OBJ, Jarvis Landry. They also added Austin Hooper, who's a really good tight end. I mean, that's going to be a tough team to stop if Baker Mayfield can play well at quarterback. I agree with you. They've got a lot of talent and weapons on offense. One thing that I thought was pretty telling from their offseason is that they signed Austin Hooper. He was kind of their prize in free agency. And then their existing tight end, David Njoku, uh, I think requested a trade. And then like a week later, rescinded that request and said he was willing to stay there. And I think a big part of that is just this change in philosophy. They hired Kevin Stefanski, mm-hmm. offensive coordinator from the Minnesota Vikings. And he is a ground and pound guy. I mean, they're going to run a lot of two tight end, two running back sets and they're going to try to run the ball and play defense like you said anchored by miles garrett he just signed that five-year 125 million dollar deal that'll work so they've got talent on defense too i mean i just think that they're changing to this ground and pound style like we've seen the the titans and now the packers try to do so it's maybe part of this nfl evolution to where people are leaning more towards the running game yep and we love nick chubb i mean nick chubb and kareem hunt is a tough duo to stop back there defensively they were the 20th best defense in the league last year they did draft Grant Delpit out of LSU, but he tore his Achilles and is out for the year. So that really sucks for them because I think he was a good player. I mean, we'll kind of see what the Browns do this year. I think they're going to be good offensively and average or maybe a little bit below average defensively. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of going back to what I was just saying about the uh, evolution of the league in terms of, you know, whether you run the ball or pass the ball. And it's just, it's very interesting to me because a lot of these teams like the Chiefs are going to like, you know, passing the ball 75% of the time. And other ones, like we mentioned, the Seahawks run the ball way too much, especially on first and second down. So they say it's a copycat league. Um, Now you've got teams kind of trying different strategies. So I just... It's very up in the air what the Browns are going to do in terms of their strategy, but I think that they're going to bounce back and have a pretty good year under Kevin Stefanski. All right, I like it. Well, let's move on to the last team in this division, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. They were the worst team in football last year, going 2-14. and 14. They took Joey Burrow out of LSU with their first-round pick, or the first overall pick, after he had, statistically speaking, the best season in the history of college football last year, throwing for 60 touchdowns, which is ridiculous. They also get back their first-round pick from last year, Jonah Williams, at left tackle, who missed the entire season with injury. So, I mean, they're really getting two first-round picks back this year. They've got some good young players, but they're still not going to be good. What do you think about the Bengals? So they're not going to be good, but you know how Zach Lowe does his NBA league pass rankings for the NBA every year? Like his just 
favorite teams to watch. I think they're top five for me, the Cincinnati Bengals. Wow. I mean, I'm just, I'm completely enamored with Joe Burrow after what he did last year. Like you said, 60 tutties, Heisman, uh, national championship, number one overall pick, best college football season of all time for a quarterback. It was just insane. And the the demeanor with which he did it too, it was just like so cool, calm and collected. Like he knew he was going to do it the whole time. And I just, the, the rumors kind of coming out of Bengals camp is that he's already won over the team. He's ready to go. Like, I just want to see him do more of the same. Yeah, Joe Burrow is sick. He's really cool. I just think of that like slow-mo video after the Natty when he's walking down the hall smoking the cigar and he's just like, he's a cool dude. Like, you got to love Joe Burrow. And then on top of that, he's actually got some weapons around him. I mean, if AJ Green's healthy, he's one of the best receivers in the game. Tyler Boyd's a good player. And they took receiver T. Higgins out of Clemson in the second round. He's got some guys to air it out to. And if they're down in games a lot, which we expect them to be, he's going to be throwing the ball. He could put up some numbers. He could. Yeah, I love Burrow. And again, coming back to this, you know, team style that's going to have a good offense and bad defense and going to be fun to watch. I mean, this they're way up there on my rankings. Yep. Cool unis, cool field like the Bengals. Joe Burrow, baby. All right. What do you think about the winner of this division? So I am going to go chalk here like you did earlier with the uh, 49ers. I'm going to just go with the Ravens. They're a heavy favorite. I'm taking them. Went 14-2 and two last year. I don't think that they're going to quite get there, but I got them going 12-4 and four winning this division. Yeah, I think the Browns and the Steelers are going to make a run at one of the wild card spots, but I'm with you. Ravens all the way. Yep, and they're my one seed, okay. but, I, but I've also got the Steelers making the playoffs too. I've got the Steelers 10-6 and six getting the five. Okay, so why don't we go ahead and break that down? Let's talk about playoffs a little bit. So started back with the NFC. Who do you have? Recap your division winners, and who are your three wild cards? So my NFC division winners, I've got the Saints getting the one seed, the Seahawks getting the two, Packers three, Cowboys four. So those are my four division winners. And then my three wild cards, five seed 49ers, six seed I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks. Tom Brady getting to the playoffs, seeing what he can do, seeing if he can make a noise or make some noise from the wild card spot. And then the seven seed, first ever seven seed in the NFC, going to the hometown Atlanta Falcons. What do you have? All right. So recap of my division winners. I got the Bucks, the Cowboys, the Detroit Lions, and the San Francisco 49ers as my division winners. And then my wild cards, I'm taking the Saints, the Vikings, and the Seahawks. Okay. I like it. And then let's do AFC. So for the AFC, my division winners are the Ravens getting the one seed. At the two spot, I've got the Chiefs. Then the Bills at the three, four Titans. And then my three wild cards are five seed Steelers, six seed Browns. So I've got three teams from the AFC North getting in there. Brown, wow. Browns getting to the playoffs in the first year ever under uh, Kevin Stefanski. And then the seven seed New England Patriots with Cam Newton. Okay, so my division winners are the Chiefs, the Colts, the Bills Mafia, and the Ravens. And then my wild cards are the Tennessee Titans, the Pats, and the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. I like it. And then are we are we going a step further? Are we going with who's going to be in the conference championships and win the Super Bowl? Yeah, let's do conference championships. Let's go both side conference championships and then Super Bowl. Okay. So my NFC championship game, and this might surprise you a little bit. I think a lot of people might hate me for this, but I am, uh, I'm finally quitting the saints. I'm, I'm having them in the NFC championship game, but losing it. Okay. Um, so I think people are going to hate who I have beating them, but it is the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. I just, I, I really like this team and 
I just I think Russ is going to take a step forward with the weapons he has on the outside. Chris Carson back, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. I just I like the Seahawks this year, man. Okay, I am actually going a completely different direction. I have two different teams in this game. I've got the Niners meeting the Vikings in the NFC Championship. I think the Niners are going to make it back to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row. So Niners is my, are my NFC champion. Okay, so I've got the Seahawks. You've got the Niners. It's funny because you said earlier, should we make that a board bet for who wins the division? And we're taking those guys to yes, win the NFC. Are. Wow. Okay, so moving over to the AFC championship game, I went chalk here. I've got the Chiefs over the Ravens. I mean, I know how hard it is to repeat as a Super Bowl champion, but who is better equipped to do it than the team who like all of their players are young mm-hmm. their coach is coming back i mean they return 20 of 22 starters like where is the regression going to come from they're just still going to be so good on both sides of the ball so i've got the chiefs getting back to the super bowl beating the ravens in the afc ship okay i've actually got the same two teams in the game but the other team winning it so i've got chiefs versus ravens but i'm taking the ravens to win the afc okay so you're going with a super bowl of 49ers ravens yes i am so kind of the harbaugh bowl but only one of them will be there this time yes and uh just the two best rushing teams in the nfl i like that i think it provides some consistency so yeah ravens versus niners okay i like it so are we ready to do super bowl picks We are. I'll go ahead and kick it off then. I'm going with the Niners to avenge their loss last year and win the Super Bowl, just like the team they've got, like I said earlier. I mean, Jimmy G is not the best quarterback in the league, but the team surrounding him is really good. Love their defensive talent. Love the way they run the football. So Niners for the Super Bowl. Okay, I like it. You got the Niners. That's funny because I am going with their NFC West foe, the Seattle Seahawks. Wow. Wow. I'm taking Mr. Unlimited, Russ. Did you see that video, by the way? <laughs> no. I, well, actually, no, I did. That was terrible. Yeah, it was I one repressed. of the most cringy things I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, I repressed it from my memory. I, I blacked that out, but now that you mention it, I remember that. That's, yes. that's tough. In, in spite of his Mr. Unlimited video, and don't, don't Google that, by the way. You don't want to see it. I am taking Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks to win the Super Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. Yeah, I... I when I think about the Chiefs, I think that after Mahomes won MVP in 2018, um, they won the Super Bowl in 2019, Patriots finally had their dynasty dissolve. Everyone's ready for that next dynasty. I think that Russ and the Seahawks press pause for a year. I wow. mean, yeah, I, when I think about the Seahawks, it, it kind of makes me think of, and this may be too you know lofty of a comparison, but almost like Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are like a Greg Popovich, like Tim Duncan type combo. Okay. Not that they're going to win like a handful of rings. They might not win really any more than the one they've won, but like they're just a coach player combo that is a little bit maybe boring. There's nothing like sexy about picking them, but they're just going to be around contending for like 16 years. They're just really, really good every year. Right. That's just what I think about the Seahawks. And so when you are a combo like that, you're bound to get to the playoffs almost every year. And at some point you get back over the hump. I really like what they did on defense too, adding Jamal Adams. I mean, I'm a Seahawks guy this year. Okay. sounds like we're going to be keeping a very close eye on the NFC West this year. Yes, we are. We might have to stay up late and watch some games. Oh, here we go. I'm already losing enough sleep at the NBA playoffs. I guess I might as well just continue it. All right. Well, that's it for our picks for division races in the Super Bowl. Let's talk about some award winners this year. We're going to start off with some rookies of the year. Let's do it. And I want to go first on rookie of the year offensively, just so you don't steal my guy. Okay. Are you going with Joey Burrow? I'm not. Are you going with Clyde? 
No. <laughs> okay, well, I guess you weren't going to steal my guy either way. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am going with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So the favorites for Offensive Rookie of the Year, from what I saw, Joe Burrows plus 275, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire plus 300. So, you know, kind of co-favorites more or less. But I'm going with Clyde because I just think he's work- walking into an absolutely perfect situation. He's already like Andy Reid's puppet that he took in the first round. Damian Williams walks out the door opening up you know, all these carries because he was always going to be the third down back catching the ball out of the backfield. But yeah, I just, for a non-quarterback to win rookie of the year, it's got to be kind of an extenuating circumstance because I feel like they always lean towards quarterbacks. But this is an extenuating circumstance. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, COVID has uh, forced the number one running back to opt out. So Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the guy. He's going to be a workhorse getting 20, 25 touches per game in the league's highest scoring offense. So he's my guy for offensive rookie of the year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I love Clyde. We've already said a couple of times how he's in a great position. I think he's going to have an awesome season. Joe Burrow, we just talked about, it's going to be great. So I have no problem with either of those guys winning it. I just kind of wanted to go with a dark horse. I went with Henry Ruggs for the Raiders, mainly just because of like opportunity. I mean, like Derek Carr, I've already mentioned, I think he's a good quarterback and they desperately need people to throw the ball to. And so I think he's going to get a ton of targets and I like him to win offensive rookie of the year. Wow. Okay. I like that. So when you said you weren't going with Burrow or Clyde, I just kind of naturally assumed you were going with Jonathan Taylor, but uh, Henry Ruggs, that's kind of a deep sleeper. It is. Do you have odds on that? I don't have odds on that. Let's look them up. Okay. All right. So I just found some odds on Odd Shark, and he's the number 10 odds as far as offensive rookie of the year at plus 2200. So Henry Ruggs, that's my guy. Yeah, that that's a deep sleeper. You should put at least a little bit of money on that. I'll, I'll be pulling for you. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because as fantasy football players, uh, you kind of research all these guys and Henry Ruggs is a rookie that people are pretty high on. You look at other Raiders, people are high on Darren Waller. I've heard Brian Edwards, who's another one of their receivers mentioned as a sleeper pick along with Hunter Renfro. And it's just kind of funny because like there are too many mouths to feed there. Like you can't be high on all these guys. You know, you got to fade a couple of them. But anyway, those are our picks for offensive rookie of the year. I got Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Lando's got Henry Ruggs. Yeah. All right. So defensive rookie of the year, I'm going a little bit more mainstream on this one. I'm taking my guy, Chase Young. I mean, just watching that guy, especially last season, but even the year before, I have never seen anybody in college football beat their, their blocker, beat the offensive tackle as easily as Chase Young did on a consistent basis. I mean, he was the kind of guy that if he was not double teamed, he was getting to the quarterback every single play. I think he's just an athletic freak. He even, people are saying he still has some room to develop physically, which is kind of a scary thing to think about. I mean, I think he's going to be one of those guys that comes in and gets double digit sacks his rookie year. I think he's going to be really, really good. He absolutely could get double-digit sacks as a rookie, which is hard to do. But, I mean, if there's anyone who can do it, it's that freaking guy. He's terrifying looking. So he'll be really good. I am not going mainstream on this one. I'm going with the guy who is third on the list, and it's a dude you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the Ravens, uh, Patrick Queen. Mm -hmm. He's third on the odds at plus 900. I like him there. I'm taking him just because, I don't know, I'm I'm leaning towards a little bit of better teams on this. I don't know why. I mean, historically, quarterbacks for really bad teams can win rookie of the year, but I'm going with a good team here. Um, the Ravens have a great defense. They added Calais Campbell and Matthew Judon. And I just think that the the pressure that they can put on quarterbacks 
with their front seven might free up Patrick Queen as a middle linebacker a little bit. He was the middle linebacker for that LSU national championship defense last year. He had 85 tackles, 12 for loss, including three sacks, and also added an interception kind of as a captain of that defense. So I just think that with him patrolling the middle of the field, surrounded by really good talent, they'll they'll open him up to have a really good season. Yeah, he's a good player. I really like that pick. I mean, the additions along the defensive line should hopefully free him up a little bit. I mean, they're going to take up some blockers up front, so he's going to be free to roam around and make some tackles. Exactly. I mean, Calais Campbell, he'll draw double teams, and he will open up some lanes for for Queen to shoot in there and sack the quarterback. So, yeah, Patrick Queen is my pick for Defensive Rookie of the Year. All right, so now let's take it over to Defensive Player of the Year. Who do you have this year for your Defensive Player of the Year? So as a Cowboys fan, this one kind of cuts me deep. Um, a couple years ago, I think it was the 2017 draft when the Cowboys had the 22nd overall pick and selected Taco Charlton out of Michigan over this guy, um, defensive end for the Pittsburgh Steelers, TJ Watt. Okay, um, He's my pick. He's number five on the list of odds at plus 1,500, or actually tied for fourth with Stephon Gilmore, who won it last year as cornerback for the Patriots, just absolute lockdown. But anyway, back to TJ Watt. He's just so good. Like I said, he's following in his brother JJ's footsteps. He's my pick for defensive player of the year. Have there ever been brothers in NFL history to both win defensive player of the year? Did, I, did I we not, it. did we not do it? <laughs> we haven't, not yet. Okay. Yeah. It's well. not over. All right. Well, yeah, that's pretty impressive. I mean, JJ Watt was this such a stud for such a long time. What did he win? Three, three defensive player of the years, two or three. Yeah. I think it was three. And now if TJ Watt wins one, like that's pretty sick. Although the Bosa's are, could be right behind them at some point in time, right? which is impressive. I haven't looked at the odds for defensive player of the year, so I'm not sure how on or off the radar that my guy is right here. I'm going with Danielle Hunter of the Minnesota Vikings. I love that guy. I think he's really underappreciated. He became, last year, he became the youngest player, or sorry, I should say the fastest player in NFL history to reach 50 career sacks. Like, he's a really good player. Now that they've added Yannick Ngakwe on the other side, he's going to command some attention. So Daniel Hunter is going to get a lot more one-on-one matchups. I think he's going to lead the league in sacks this year and be the defensive player of the year. Wow. Okay. So for for defensive player of the year and what was it, offensive rookie of the year, you're, you're going far down the list. Yeah, I'm not going with the favorites, but I'm just going with the guys that I believe in. So come on, Danielle Hunter, and come on, Henry Ruggs. I like it. I'll be keeping an eye on those guys this year. But the last thing that we need to make our picks for is NFL MVP. Who you got? Well, after what I did earlier, this shouldn't come as a huge surprise to you. I'm going with Matthew Stafford for NFL MVP. Wow. He's leading the Lions to the promised land, dude. You already talked about earlier how he had MVP numbers in the first half of the year last year before he got hurt. I just think that he's going to come back hot. I mean, they have a chance to make some noise in that division, like I said earlier. And also, I think going from three wins to playoff contention just kind of adds to the dramatic flair of the storyline. Matthew Stafford for MVP. Okay. Wow. That you, you're going nuts, man. Going, so this is kind of spurred on by some bold picks that I wanted to make in other episodes of this podcast that I didn't make. Like I wanted so badly to be all in on the heat and I just didn't have the balls to do it. So now I'm just picking my guys and going for it. So yeah, Matthew Stafford, Lions, let's go. I like it. I mean, it's an interesting pick. He'll have a really good year. Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones on the outside. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm fading their running backs because they just kind of like to air it out. Um, He led the NFL in average depth of target last year before he went down. So he's slinging it down the field. He could put up big numbers. And then circling back to um, the fantasy football players that are listening. I mean, Landon is big on the Lions this year. So if you can snag (laughs) Matt Stafford after like the 12th round, rip it. Let's go. Matthew Stafford. All right. Who do you got for MVP? 
So before I give you my MVP pick, do you want to place a board bet on who gets more MVP votes between our picks? I have to hear your pick before I do that. Pat Mahomes. Absolutely. I'm joking. Not. I'm joking. I'm, I'm not going to force that on you, but I, I'm going straight chalk here. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. He's plus 400 to win MVP. He won it two years ago. Might have been in the conversation last year uh, if he didn't go down with a knee injury and miss two games, but the guy is just incredible. I, I can't say enough good things about Pat Mahomes. I mean, in 2018, he had 5,100 passing yards and 50 tutties with only 12 picks, and he. I feel like he's only going to get better. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's building continuity with this offense. Um, the line's coming back. We mentioned several times, 20 of 22 starters. He's a, he's adding a better running back in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire who's going to step into that Kareem Hunt role um, from a few years ago. He's just so good. And full disclosure, I see myself picking Pat Mahomes to win MVP every year for the rest of time, it, just until further notice. Yeah, at least until he loses some of those offensive weapons. I mean, they're even better at the skill positions this year, are they not? I mean, Clyde is going to be a great fit, like we've said several times. I think Nicole Hardman's going to have a bigger role in the offense this year. He's a speed demon. Tyreek Hill is everywhere. Travis Kelsey is a monster. I mean, they're just so it's good. It's hard to pick against him. Right. And I, I know sometimes, like, I hate going chalk and just taking the favorite on things, but, like, when you think about these guys who are going to be legends, at the end of their career, at some point they have to win four or five MVPs or four or five Super Bowls. I just think that this is where he starts it. I mean, second MVP by the age of what, 23, 24? He's such a beast. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to be it for our NFL preview for this season. Hope y'all enjoyed that. Now we're going to move over and talk a little bit about what's going on in the rest of the sports world, starting with the NBA playoffs. So let's start with the Bucks and Heat in the Eastern Conference. This has been a bit of a shocker so far. The Heat are up three to nothing, and we are currently sitting here at 5.30 p.m. on Sunday watching Game 4 as the Heat are going for the sweep. They are up 96 to 92 with nine and a half minutes left, and Giannis has been ruled out for the game with an ankle sprain. Lando, what you think here? I'm a little bit upset that Giannis is hurt because that kind of provides an excuse for the Bucks. I think the Heat are just the better team, right? Right? I, I don't know if it is really an excuse when they got crushed the first three games with them. Yeah, I'm kind of sad that I didn't just go all out and and really declare my opinion, which was that the Heat, I thought before the series, and I, even, I mentioned it a little bit, but I thought the Heat matched up really well with the Bucks. They've got a lot of guys they can put on Giannis. They're just a really tough team. I mean, the Bucks kind of beat people with toughness a lot of times, but the Heat, I think, are the toughest team in the in the NBA. I mean, they're really good. Jimmy Butler's been the best player in the series so far, and I love the personality of this team and just how they get after you. I'm all in on the Heat. I've been asking my patients all week who the five best players in the NBA are, aside from Duncan Robinson, because he's clearly the best. But um, yeah, I love everything about him. <laughs> I like that. And and when people talk about the whole GOAT conversation, usually it's between Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And a big point that people make about Michael Jordan was that he was 6-0 and in the NBA Finals. But as of right now, Duncan Robinson is 7-0 and in his playoff career. Yeah, undefeated. And he's probably never going to lose a playoff game. And he's about to be 8-0. He's about to be 8-0 and... and- projected to be 100 and 0 over the next 10 to 12 years. Exactly. So that's something to consider, but my main takeaway I think from this series if the Heat finish this off and sweep the Bucks is kind of the changing narratives of a couple players in the series, mainly Giannis and Jimmy Butler. I mean, starting with Giannis, what is the thought on him after this where he doesn't play more than 36 minutes in any game and then in crunch time when his team needs him most, he's out with an ankle injury and I mean, if he's injured, I I get sitting out, but I don't know. Does does back-to-back MVP Giannis start to be considered as a really soft guy? 
Isn't it weird how the narrative changes on people so quickly in our world and especially in the sports world today? I mean, two weeks ago, Giannis was the soon to be crowned back-to-back MVP and kind of the darling of the NBA, the guy that's going to take the mantle for the future of the league. And now everyone's just pooping all over him because of the series. But that's kind of how it goes. I mean, he's been a no-show in the series and he's been dominated by, by the Heat. I see what you're saying. I mean, I think it's already kind of weird that after this, everyone just completely assumes that he's not staying in Milwaukee after next year. The amount of talk about his future destination, despite the fact that he still has another year of his contract with the Bucks, has been kind of funny to me. It is funny, but uh, I think Bill Simmons coined the term a couple years ago called pre-agency, not mm-hmm. free agency, pre-agency, when guys kind of force that a year early and get you know the trade talks going. Because I don't know, I mean, if the Bucks start to get a sense that Giannis is leaving, doesn't it make sense to trade him next year? Yeah, probably. But I mean, it's one of those things too, where you kind of play chicken with the other team because if all the other teams know that he's going to leave, then they're going to be less willing to give up big players and big assets. So we'll kind of see what happens there. Right. And I think I mentioned the Heat being one and the Celtics being another potential destination for Giannis next offseason. So something to keep an eye on. But then the other kind of changing narrative for a player I mentioned is Jimmy Butler. I mean, I feel like now everyone's kind of fallen in love with him, how much of a bulldog he is. And I like Jimmy, but I just like if they win the series, but then lose to the Celtics or Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals next series, did the narrative really change? I mean, he's just he is what he is. He's a number two guy. Yeah, I mean, the jury is still out. You got to wait and see what they do the rest of the playoffs. But it just goes to show how players just thrive or don't in certain situations. I mean, as far as the team around him, this is the best situation he could possibly be in. He is a perfect fit for this team because his weaknesses are the other guys on his team's strength. And so I think that this is just a a well-put-together team. They're so much fun to watch. I... I really think they're going to give a great series to whoever comes out of the other series between the Raptors and the Celtics. I think the Heat have a good chance of making the finals. They do, and I'd love to see it. I mean, what about a Heat Lakers finals? That would be pretty sick with the whole LeBron narrative. Yeah, it'd be it'd be crazy. I mean, there's a lot of steps that have to fall into place before we get there. But yeah, love the Heat. Yep. Okay. So let's talk about the other Eastern Conference series, the Celtics and Raptors. This was a half second away from the Raptors being down 3-0 in a huge hole that they probably could not come back from. OG Ananobi hit a buzzer beater to win game three. Then they came out real strong in game four. So now it's 2-2. We got a dogfight. Lando, what you think? Yeah. I mean, when you let a game get away from you like the Celtics did in game three, I mean, that just, it seems to always come back to get you. They had a chance to bury the Raptors, who are a team that knows how to win. And when you have a chance to put your foot on their necks, you got to do it or else they're going to they're gonna stay alive. I think that's what's happened here. I think we're in for a dogfight. I think we're going to seven games. I mean, this is a very, very evenly matched series. Yeah, it's, it's 2-2 now. I mean, anyone can win the series. Obviously, the Vegas odds, Celtics are minus 115. The Raptors are minus 105. So it's just about as even as it could be. Even Las Vegas's brain is in a pretzel on this one. So it remains to be seen. But back and forth series, I think it's going seven as well. Yeah, well, let's take a turn now to the Western Conference. Lakers and Rockets had game one the other night. They got game two going on tonight. The Rockets just pretty much outplayed the Lakers from beginning to end in game one and and won by a considerable margin. What did you see there? I saw the same thing from the Lakers that they did in game one against the Blazers. And I'm not, I'm not saying that I think the result of the series is going to end up the same, but the Lakers came out kind of lethargic again. LeBron was not assertive enough as a scorer. He scored 20 points for the game, including zero in the fourth. The supporting cast, including KCP, didn't shoot well again. I mean, they just didn't look very good. 
What'd you think? Yeah, their offense looks terrible. I mean, PJ Tucker absolutely locked down Anthony Davis. I think they had 25 possessions where PJ Tucker was guarding Anthony Davis and he didn't score a point on PJ Tucker. I mean, that's kind of the weird thing that I hadn't thought about until I watched that first game. I mean, isn't Anthony Davis like one of his biggest strengths is being quicker than all the other big guys? And so he goes around him and just finesses them. There are no big guys to go around and to out finesse on the Rockets. He's got to be quicker than smaller guys or shoot over them and he didn't do it very well in game one i mean lebron and ad have to significantly step it up on the offensive end in game two if they're going to win right and ad still had 25 points and 14 rebounds i mean they need to exploit him even more because the rockets i mean they're they're undersized there they need someone who he can be able to guard him but there's this whole weird dance between the lakers and ad where ad wants to play the four and the lakers want him to play the five and it's just kind of strange mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't really get it like anthony davis can dominate from either position just you know do what you do man exactly and in this series i think they're going to have to play ad at five more i mean there's just not really a great place to put javel mcgee and dwight howard on anybody for the rockets I think they're going to have to kind of match their small ball and, and match their quickness and speed exactly and i think they have to play ad at the five and just exploit that mismatch and then speaking of mismatches on the other side i mean the lakers don't really have anyone that can guard james harden no he scored 36 points eric gordon had 23 he played well uh, russell westbrook had 24 points he led the team in shot attempts with 24 for god knows what reason i mean i don't know why he hasn't learned his lesson that he mm. needs to <laughs> kind of be the number two guy behind james harden at this point but did you see the moment in the fourth quarter when the Rockets started to pull away and russ hit like a big three to go up they were up 12 put him up like 15 or something Mm -hmm. and started yelling at the sideline yes amazing (laughs) yeah because they're i feel like they're such creatures of habit like when they hit big shots they're just used to kind of looking up at the crowd and yelling and pounding their chest or whatever but anyway he was just yelling these profanities towards the sideline and then it came out today that the section that he was looking towards and yelling at was just like the wives and like moms of Lakers players and they were all sitting there with babies in their laps like looking down at tablets just trying to entertain the children it's like Russ who are you yelling at bro take it easy guy yeah Russ I mean hopefully he eventually learns the lesson like he's a really good player I have nothing against Russ I like Russ but he's the number two guy in this team like James Harden's the lead dog take it easy bro Exactly. And he, he can, you know, he can blow by these Lakers guards and help them win games and help them win the series. But at some point he just know he needs to know when to take that back seat and be the Robin to the Batman. And I just don't know if he has it in him. There's, there's something wrong with his medulla oblongata. I think so. What do you think about the future of the series? I think it's going seven. Okay. I think it's more or less a toss up of who's going to win. If I have to pick, I'm going Lakers and seven. What do you think? I think as of right now, if I had to pick, I'm going Rockets. I think I'm going Rockets in seven. I mean, I think tonight is going to be very, very telling if the Lakers can make some adjustments as far as their rotation is concerned and put AD at center and kind of put some more quickness out there. And if they look better doing that, then I think they've got a good chance. But after that game one, I'm just worried about the Lakers being able to score. I just don't think it's a good matchup for them. I'm going with the Rockets in seven. Okay, well, we'll see how it goes. I mean, the Lakers, I feel like they're in their head a little bit about their rotation because they had Rajon Rondo return from injury this past game, and they played him, I think, the sixth most menace of anybody. So kind of like their effective six-man, first guy off the bench. And I just don't know if he's ready for it yet. Like, in my mind, I kind of thought that he would be a huge boost for them, but I just don't know that it makes sense for him to be out there that much right now. Yeah, it's kind of weird because he's definitely going to be rusty after missing that much time, but they also desperately need an additional playmaker on top of LeBron and offense. So yeah, it's catch 22 there. I think they're going to need him to play really well if they're going to win the series. 
Yep, so game two tonight. We'll see how it goes. Lakers need a big win. But sticking with the Los Angeles teams, let's go to Clippers Nuggets. What'd you think about last night's game? Yeah, it was kind of funny. Everyone just assumed that the Nuggets were done after getting blown out in game one. There's this huge overreaction, as always, saying that this is a huge huge mismatch and that they were going to get you know broomed off of the floor. And then the Nuggets came back in hot and won game two last night. They were up by as much as 23 at one point and won by double digits. I mean, they looked really good. They shot the lights out. I don't think I ever thought they were going to get swept because the duo of Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic offensively is just so hard to stop. When you put those two guys in pick and roll, like, I mean, kind of good luck with that, especially given how good of a passer Nikola Jokic is. The addition of Gary Harris back into the lineup is a huge boost for the Nuggets. I mean, he shot the ball really well last night and is their best perimeter defender. I've still got the Clippers in this series, but I think the Nuggets can give them a run. I've got the Clippers in six, but the Nuggets are a good team. The Nuggets are a good team, and I'll give you credit for that. You kind of mentioned them as a potential sleeper to make it out of the West in our uh, NBA preview probably a month ago at this point. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're playing really well. Jokic had 28-18. and 18. That guy's really good. Jamal yep. Murray continues to be on fire. He scored 27. But did you see the post-game interview of Joker after the game? No. So somebody asked him, or I guess was kind of complimenting him about his patience on the offensive side of the floor. And his response was, I'm patient because I cannot really run fast. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Hey, guys who know their limitations are valuable. You know, he knows what he's good at. He knows what he's not. And he plays to his strengths. Yeah. And it's really funny because just the way that he plays is it's such a funny fit in today's NBA when everyone's just so athletic because he's like this big, slow, fee-fi-fo-fum guy. Mm-hmm. He'll just kind of pivot a thousand times and just throw a left-handed hook over his shoulder. Um, I saw somebody make a joke on Twitter that Nikola Jokic looks like he's playing with flip-flops on. Mm-hmm. It's true. <laughs> you you kind of know like what that means. Like When you have to, for whatever reason, run in flip-flops, you know how you just kind of like yeah. mosey around very tentatively? Like he's, You don't really know how to run. He's like glued to the floor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what he looks like. And once you have that in your head, it's hard to not picture it. So look out for that next game. But anyway, we've we've got a series here. I've still got the clips, but they just, they keep flipping the switch on and off and they need to be careful about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like they have a big win and then fall asleep. And if they do it against the wrong team, they might not be able to come back from it. For sure. And bottom line, if you just look at all four of these series, this is the most potential champions in the NBA that we've ever had at this point in the season. Almost always, we know the two teams that are going to make it to the finals. And if not, we at least know the teams that are going to make it to the conference finals. I love how many potential winners we have this year. There's just a lot. And I feel like that's how the NBA should be. And it's been so much fun to watch. Can't can't wait to see what happens. Me too. And like you said, usually it's three or four teams that can win the whole thing. This this year, it feels like it's five or six. I mean, the Lakers being the one seed, playing the four and the Rockets, and it feeling like that's kind of a coin flip. I mean, that just doesn't happen in a normal year. So yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to the rest of these playoffs. There we go. And then let's take a last switch over to Major League Baseball. What have we been seeing there? Well, just a couple quick things to touch on. The first of which is Mike Trout. He hit his 300th career home run last night, uh, now has 15 on the season, which is leading the league. He's probably the favorite to win AL MVP once again for a lowly Los Angeles Angels team. I mean, I really just wish I could see this guy in the playoffs, but he's amazing, isn't he? He's so good. It's a shame once again that they're terrible. They're in last place. So yeah, we're not going to see him in the playoffs this season. Speaking of the playoffs, we mentioned before in a previous episode 
that seven of the eight American League playoff seeds teams were already determined pretty much. That's now become eight of eight. We pretty much know who the eight AL teams are. The Blue Jays have made a little bit of a run and have actually tied the Yankees for second in the AL East. So we got the eight AL playoff teams. On the other hand, the NL is very much up for grabs. There's a couple of teams that are pretty solidly in there, but there's going to be a lot of kind of back and forth between those second place in each division teams as well as the wild cards. So a lot to look out for there. And then also just some key performances, some really good players this year that I wanted to point out. One guy that we haven't really given credit to on this podcast yet so far this year, you Darvish reemerging as one of the better pitchers in baseball. I mean, like he's been one of those guys that's always had nasty stuff. He's electric when he's healthy and he's healthy this year. Currently has a 144 ERA and is tied for the major league lead with seven wins. One of the reasons that the Cubs are playing so well this year and are sitting at the top of the NL Central. So happy for you, Darvish. Glad he's back. Yu Darvish is back, and he's just one of a handful of unreal pitching performances this year up there with Shane Bieber, Lance Lynn, a couple other guys, so Clayton Kershaw's reemergence. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun to watch some of these pitchers dominate this season. Yep, and then uh, back to our board bets. We've been on the 400-370 watch for a while. I'm feeling pretty confident that no one's going to hit 400 this year, but we have an emerging threat to hit 370. Trey Turner has been on a tear this year and was coming into today hitting 368. So, I mean, uh, got a little bit of hope in that bet. Yeah, a little bit. And then DJ LeMahieu, I think he's going to end up qualifying for number of at-bats. He was at 376 as of yesterday and went 0 for 4, so now he's at 363. So I've got a couple guys I have hope for that, uh, you know, maybe will get me a middle there, but whatever. You win, man, okay? (laughs) We'll see what happens. All right, and then lastly, we have a couple of Monday mailbag questions. One of them is actually a trivia question from a fan. It's from Jordan in Atlanta. He sent us this question, and we have not heard it yet. So we're going to go ahead and play that for the first time we're hearing it on audio, and then we're going to give our best shot at answering it. So here's Jordan. Since 2005, Andy Murray is one of two tennis players to have won multiple Grand Slam titles besides the big three of Roger Federer, Rafael Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. Who is the other player? Ooh, that's a really good question. I like him bringing tennis onto the pod for the first time. Tennis is very out of left field. I am panicking. What do you have any uh, anybody right off the bat? Not right off the bat, but while we're on the subject of tennis, I, I actually just want to fill time real quick and let you think okay. while I say that I just saw a tweet a second ago that Novak Djokovic has been ejected from the U.S. Open. Yeah, that's crazy. You don't hear that much in tennis. I guess he hit a ball after it was already out of or out of play and it hit a lines person, and so now he's been suspended. I, I don't know. I need yeah, to see awesome. the replay of how severe that was. But anyway, do you have anything on this trivia question from Jordan? Okay, so I have... Two guesses, two guys that come to the top of my head right away. The first one is Stan Wawrinka, fellow uh, Swiss guy along with Federer. And second is the big bruiser, Juan Martin Del Potro. I think those are the two guys that I would guess. I'm going to go with Del Potro. Wow. Okay. You clearly know way more about tennis than I do. I don't even really know how to formulate a guess here. I'm going to go with... Leighton Hewitt. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he was at some point a professional tennis player. Yeah. All right. Well, do we do we have the answer available to us somewhere? No, I'm pretty sure we have to Google it. Okay. Let's go ahead and Google it. Okay. Okay. So the answer has been Googled. It turns out I'm not a complete idiot. Leighton Hewitt won the 2001 U.S. Open against Pete Sampras. So I guess for whatever reason, that was ingrained in the mind of 10-year-old me. Uh, but Lando, you actually got it right. It was your boy Vavrinka. Is that how you say it? Yes, yeah, Dan Vavrinka. 
Okay, so he won the 2014 Australian Open, the 2015 French Open, and the 2016 U.S. Open. So he's actually got three since 2005. Okay, I mean, I kind of, I kind of got it right. I had two guys in mind, and I went with the other one. But I'm glad I at least mentioned his name in there. And then uh, at least one Martin Del Potro did win one. He won uh, something in 2009. What was that? He won the U.S. Open in 2009. So. We're not, I mean, I'm not a complete idiot as far as tennis is concerned. Not the best, but not terrible. Yeah, but I, I mean, I guess at least you mentioned it. Like you said, I picked a guy who only won one, and it was four years before the framework of the question yeah, that was that, asked. So I need to study up on my tennis, clearly. Not a great guess there. All right, so one more mailbag question for you. Switching back over to the NFL, this one came from Joey in Oakhurst. He wants to know, if you had to bet on one NFL playoff team from last year to not make the playoffs this year, who would it be? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of decided for us already based on who we picked earlier. Mine is the Philadelphia Eagles simply because of injuries and unpredictability as far as health is concerned at quarterback. I mean, they don't have a very good offensive line right now with injuries. The receiving receiving core is decimated, and then Carson Wentz could go down at any time. So going with the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, I, I get it. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the same page, same mindset, but I do think they could sneak in there as a six or seven seed, especially considering the fact that they get to play the Giants and Redskins a total of four times, but, or sorry, the Washington football team. Yeah, <laughs> we, not the, we, not we might the need to edit team. that out. Yep. Um, anyway, so my team that I'm going with, and I feel like this is kind of very opposite of your feeling about this team this season based on a couple of your predictions, but I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings. Oh, wow. I'm fading the Vikings this year. I mentioned that they are very very heavily reliant on Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen, and that just scares me. I mean, they're they're just razor thin at receiver. They've got Adam Thielen, wide receiver one. Justin Jefferson presumably will step up as number two, but then behind him, I think their third receiver is like BZ Johnson or something. I don't even know how to say his name. That's guy's but- awesome. Is he? I've never heard of him. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, what am I missing? But yeah, I just, it, it really worries me if they have one guy go down on offense. I just, I don't think they'll have enough firepower to compete um, in that division with the Packers there. So I am fading the Vikings this year. All right. Fair enough. Well, we've got some kind of fun disagreements going on this year in the NFL. There's a lot for us to keep an eye on here. Got some board bets out of it as well. Yes, we did. And then last thing. So Joey also wanted to ask the opposite of that question. So who is your favorite non-playoff team from last year? that will make the playoffs this year the lions baby (laughs) okay yeah clearly that's your pick the lions are coming in hot they're about to take the nfl by storm okay so you got the lions making the playoffs and matt stafford winning mvp so clearly that's your pick i'm gonna go in a different direction here i'm going with the pittsburgh steelers i mean with big ben coming back from injury it's just a material change in circumstance for them i at least expect them to compete for a wild card you know the ravens are probably gonna win that division but i think the the steelers make the playoffs they've got big ben they've got the full season of Mika fitzpatrick really strong defense so i'm going with the steelers All right. Fair enough. Well, that's going to be it for our episode today. Thank you all so much. If you've made it to this point for sticking with us, I know this was a long one, but we had a lot of good stuff to talk about. As I said earlier, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please follow or subscribe on Apple and Spotify. Also leave any ratings or reviews that you can. Thank you so much for listening. Hold on. What you got? Interruption. What you got? Surprise trivia. Oh, no In the way. middle of your outro. Wow. Okay. Hit, it, hit me with it. Who are the four teams that have never made it to a Super Bowl? Oh, Wow. I don't know. Just go. Just go. No, a couple of them are obvious. Okay. Um, You've got this. Okay. So first one, because they're an expansion team, the Texans. That is correct. Okay. Uh, second one, because they historically suck, the Lions. Yep. Okay. May turn it around this year, according to you. I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl. They're no, just you, no be, you, you think they're going to the Super Bowl, They're going to be freaking awesome. 
Um, the Bengals? Incorrect. Okay. Yeah, Which Bengals. I have no idea when the hell that was, yeah, but the, apparently they have made a Super Bowl. Okay. What about the Chargers? Nope. It's been a while for them too, hasn't it? Yep. Probably not in our lifetimes. Okay, give me the last two. So you're two for four so far. I'm going to give you one last hint, and if you don't want to guess, that's fine. But the think of the two worst-run organizations in the NFL. The Browns? Yep. Okay. The Jaguars have made it, haven't they not? No. They haven't? No, for they've s- made it to AFC Championships, but never a Super Bowl. Okay, for some reason, I was thinking that back in the day when they had Mark Burnell, that they had made it to the Super Bowl, but I guess it was just when they made the AFC Championship. Exactly. Okay. Yep, All and right. then again in 2017. So yeah, Jags, Browns, Lions, and the expansion team, the Texans. Okay, well... I'll take 50% and nothing wrong with that. Okay. Well, that's going to be it for us, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a good day. See you soon.